music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Open the voice gate for December 29th, 2023. It's our last episode of the calendar year. And welcome back to Open the Voice Gate. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own de- dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can find us on Twitter X as Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the uh, boxes to sponsors podcasting except a one time a reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like to thank all of our previous donors i'm one of your hosts it's your old pal mike spears join alongside as always case low in case we weirdly like we, we 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 have talked since the last show but since this is like a Renge show uh happy holidays buddy uh, i hope you had a nice uh christmas Oh my goodness. Uh, it was lovely. Uh, you know, any time spent in the great state of Indiana is time on this planet. That certainly counts for something. Uh, but no, I had a, I had a very nice Christmas. I'm anticipating a very nice new year's. And even though we just talked yesterday as we recorded five-star match game with Joe Gagney and our friend, Alan Forel, it's good to hear from you again. And I hope you had a good Christmas. You know, I did. It was my first Christmas back in Texas since, uh, geez uh i was 20 maybe like so it it was really nice though uh being a family friends and it's something where the weather has been so mild this year that it was i'm only now dealing with like the season change like i'm about to enter the texas winter which is january and then just in february but it was all really nice to see everyone and uh, spend time with everyone uh, but yeah, we did the five star match game. Uh, it is out right now, and uh, it, it's kind of become like a little tradition. I I filled in in the past for Joe Lanza, and I've kind of made it my own as I've been trying slowly but surely to take out Alan Farrell. I think it's going to take another year, though, guys. 
Like, I think everybody it, listening should tweet at Alan just a random Terry Funk match so that he can learn who Terry Funk is. Yeah, like the, the, this new like wrestler coming out of nowhere, t- Terry Funk. Well, yeah, he, look, Alan's not a big historian guy. That's not really his thing. So I don't, I don't blame him. You know, yeah. this, this is a guy who sits down every week and enjoys his Monday Night Raw and his NXT and his NXT Level Up and his Friday Night SmackDown, and that's that's who he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, when I think about Alan Farrell and when I think about the wrestling he enjoys, I think about the... Well, I think about uh, Chase U. Chase U, absolutely. I mean, Andre Chase, Harlem Borvado. I mean, there's no one else that comes to line with that. But yeah, he, he's still trying to discover who Terry Funk is. So just send okay. him a... Yeah, just send him a little match there. I, I think it'll be surprised to know that Terry Funk had quite the career in Japan. <laughs> That's what I heard. I heard he was pretty big in Japan. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, no, it was an absolute blast doing that. And it's always a good time to get together with Alan and Joe Gagne for trivia. But Case, that's not why we are here. We're not doing the post show of the uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl, which uh, has taken over the world, I would say. We're here to talk about Dragon Gate closing out 2023. Final Gate was on Christmas Eve in Fukuoka. We're going to take this top to bottom as well as looking ahead to 2024 and the stock market has been open just one day in the holidays case as we're going to close out the show with stock up stock down 2023 but final gate case how 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 do you want to take this i think we should just talk about the leading story coming out of final gate just leading off the new open the dream gate champion Luis Monte, he wins in the three-way match against Madoka Kakuda and Shun Skywalker. And not what I was expecting, not what you were expecting, but uh, you, you had the written review up on VoicesOfWrestling.com. And uh, I, I, I guess the way I kind of wanted to like attack this is we, we both had our trepidations going into this as like a result. How do you feel about Monte going out of Fukuoka now as Dreamgate champion? I said all along, I was really against the idea of Monte winning the belt here. I thought realistically, Kakuta would retain. I thought Shun Skywalker should win the title. And leaving Final Gate, I don't necessarily feel different. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing that Luis Monte is your current Open the Dream Gate champion. I think they've set him up to have a very interesting January and beyond. I still just based off of principles, wouldn't have put the title on him here. But I understand why they did. I thought the moment that led to him winning the title was relatively solid. That that three-way match, I want to break down quite a bit and get a little granular with it because it was a match that was both good and bad at the same time. A lot of things I really enjoyed, a lot of things I did not enjoy, most of which I've already written about, though. So, Mike, your thoughts off the bat on the win of the Dreamgate belt for Luis Monte. I just like so Luis Monte now Dreamgate champion. We already have his first opponent coming up. It is Shun Skywalker at Gate of Bayside on the 27th. I think there was still a lot left in the tank in the chase. And I feel like that instead of letting this kind of breathe a little bit, maybe uh, have it be that uh, Monte and Hio, like they're, they're okay taking on Zebrats, but they eventually want to get like four on four and develop the army and then leading into finally Monte getting the win over Shun. I felt like that that had 
more legs. I felt like that there was not a real good reason to immediately go to Luis Monte. And there was nothing about this match that really kind of changed me from that. I just feel like it's almost a squandered opportunity. But the match itself, I think with everything that happened since uh, Kobe World and with how they've specifically have done uh, Monte versus Shun Skywalker in all these segments, it was appropriate for Shun to get DQ'd. I felt like because it's always been that whenever Monte clears out the other three guys and it's Shun Skywalker, you don't really want to have the full skirmish here. And uh, I thought that the DQ, although timing-wise and the way it came off was a little bit stuttered, I would say, maybe. Well, let's, okay, so let's back up real quick. So you have the three-way match. It's Kakucha, Skywalker, and Monte. Early in the match, things spill to the floor, and Zebrats, they they attack. They attack both Monte and they attack Kakuta. This leads to them getting kicked out of ringside by GM Rio Saito. Later on in the match, referee Yagi is attacked. Zebrats come back down to the ring, and that is when they launch a full-on assault on Luis Monte. Monte makes a heroic babyface comeback, does an excellent job, and uh, before he can put Shun Skywalker away, he is once again grabbed by Ishin. Skywalker sends a chair directly into the head of Luis Monte, and referee Yagi sees that, and Skywalker is DQ'd. So that's how we get there. And I, I, I don't know. This was th- this is really where the match fell apart for me. It was you know it was like a roller coaster. You know, I th- I thought it started strong. I thought we had a major dip in the middle of it, and then we ended on an okay note. But uh, I I do not like on principle Skywalker getting DQ'd in this match. I thought it was a cheap way out. And even though you know Dragon Gate is sort of an ever evolving place when it comes to the rules of multi-man matches and is it elimination is it first fall are there dqs are there not dqs all of that is up in the air and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing i am of the belief that there should not be dqs in three-way matches and i do not like that skywalker uh, was disqualified in this match i thought if anything kakuta should have pinned him and then monte should have pinned kakuta or just not have skywalker in the match like that is true, too. And that was really kind of when when the dust settled and I saw the direction we were going and I saw that Skywalker was getting the title challenge in, in January. It was like, well, why didn't they just do Monte versus Kakuta? Right. Yeah, yeah because, because Shun, Shun could have done anything else on this show and he would have been OK. He would have been ready to, to challenge for the title in January. Yeah, this is not like that. You have to develop a rationale for having. Uh, Luis Monte versus Shun Skywalker that like the last seven months have been the rationale for Luis Monte versus Shun Skywalker. So that is kind of the thing where when we talk about the Dreamgate matches and about how the company now books them, this is just textbook too cute by half. And I don't think it really does a service to anyone in a way because you did get like the good glimpse of the Skywalker kind of conflict here, but we all knew that we weren't going to get the one-on-one matchup. So why tease it? Like we, we know it's ahead of us. We knew, but we just knew that one-on-one, like, did you think this was ever, as soon as it came out, that it was going to be both, it was going to be elimination style. Did you ever think that the concluding fall was going to be Skywalker versus Monte? I could have seen Skywalker beating Monte. I think that it, and if that was going to happen, that was probably going to be the first fall. 
Yeah, I, I, it was just it was needlessly complicated. And I should note before we kind of close out uh, the match and describe the finishing stretches, you know, this show did 2,286 fans in attendance. So I think a lot of people in that area, or at least in the country, are kind of with us and what we're saying right now, which is like, hey, this match didn't need to be what it was. This match was a turnoff, if anything, because we did the over-under last week at 2,600 based on the 2,500 that were there in the building last year. And you got to remember, December of 2022 in Japan, there were still COVID attendance restrictions. So they did 2,500. We put the over-under last week at 26. You said over, I said under. I thought they would do basically what they did in 2022. Instead, they do under. 2020 uh, uh what they did in 2022 which i think is a very bad look now granted noah ran this building last year and noah did just over a thousand fans dragon gate still at over two thousand here so better than the competition but still uh, what, what i think is is a very bad number and a bad look for the company and it is something where looking at the show like it did not feel like a hot show going into it as well on top of everything when you had all the changes, when you had Yuki Yoshioka pulled, and yes, getting Kaito Kiyomiya brought a level of spice into the show, I I think you would have to like look at, at least trending up, trending down momentum-wise, that it was not trending great. And I think now uh, is a... Or after we get done talking about this match, we need to have a bigger conversation about Madoka Kakuda as a Dreamgate champion and what it really accomplished. Because I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the 2023 big show schedule case and there was one person who was in the main event of every single one, save Kobe World. And that was our Dreamgate champion. And you look at the business-wise, does not seem like it backed up. He backed it up, basically. No, no. So we'll circle back to that because you make a great point there, and I want to have that discussion. So Skywalker gets bounced from the match. You're back to Monte and Kakuta, and they they recover. You know, I thought they had a very, very strong close to the match. Once Zebrats got out of there, once Skywalker got out of there, uh, there's a great Volte face buster, not the Volta finale, but the Volte face buster. Kakuta kicked out of that. Uh, at one point, Monte kicked out of the hand of God rolling Lariat. There was a great spot right at the end where Kakuta headbutts and then Lariat's Monte. He kicked out at one, pops back up shortly after a Volta finale. And Luis Monte is your new Open the Dreamgate champion. And as I pointed out on my Twitter account right after this happened, this might be the single highest profile win that a luchador has ever had in the country of Japan. You look at the titles they've held. You've got Monte as the Dreamgate champion now, but historically, Ray Mendoza, who for those that don't know, Ray Mendoza trained Super Shisa and helped train Hayabusa when Hayabusa went to Mexico uh, in the early 90s. Ray Mendoza held the NWA United National Championship for two weeks in December of 1970. Mel Mascaris held the PWF United States Heavyweight Championship for one month in 1978. Mystico held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship from August of 2009 through November of 2009. La Sombra held the White Belt IWGP Intercontinental Championship from the end of May to the end of July 2013. 
and El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. was the GHC national champion uh, from November 2022 through October 2023. And then other people pointed out, and I want to uh, make sure that I mention these, that Violento Jack held the Freedom Championship and Dragon Lee has held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. But Mike, I, I think you would be in agreement. None of those titles, IWGP Heavyweight Championship included, or at the stage of the Intercontinental Championship when La Sombra won it, I don't think either of those belts are as valuable as the Dreamgate belt is right now, and Luis Montes drove up with the Dreamgate champion. Yeah, I think uh, when you're talking about championships, the, the this now stands above everything else, as you like laid out, because, yeah, Sombra was, uh, Andrade was IC champion, but from, like, a lot of that happened, I felt like, in Mexico, that title run. A lot of it happened in Mexico, and also, yeah. it's right around the time period that that belt really becomes something special, but you have to remember, New Japan's business model in 2013 was still the the monthly one big show. 2014 is when they start expanding into two or three new beginnings, and two or three destructions, and more and more shows, and with more and more shows, you have the Okada headline IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, but then at the time, you also had Nakamura defending the white belt, the Intercontinental Championship, on the other set of those shows. That comes a year later, that comes after the La Sombra reign. Yeah, so we're talking about a different time, and if we're talking about, like, position, really, the the, the one that keeps on, like, jumping out to me, and I think that the the one thing that's like compare contrast kind of is like the role that Mil Mascaris had at least in IWE during that time that like he was like that that like broke the ground there for that and it was no not IWE all Japan why why was I thinking IWE I would have loved for him to have worked IWE those would yeah. be some fascinating tapes well it's because I saw Kentaro Hoshino when I was like looking at I was like pulling stuff I was like oh yeah he his first match was against Hoshino and then I thought IWE because of that. So, but it's something where it stands alone, I feel like. And especially if you look at how they are kind of presented, uh, Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr. is an upper mid-carder. I think that's, and he has moved himself up there. I think it's maybe something within 2024 with him trying to be more based than Noah that he will get like a heavyweight challenge. But it is still that a path that Monte went first, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that would, I guess, be the comparison is if 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 Wagner is able to win the GHC heavyweight championship, you know, we could certainly have what would end up being a very pandemic conversation about what belt matters more in the in the year (laughs) 2024 at that point. But regardless, it's a historic moment for Monte, and it's one that I didn't realize he was on the cusp of doing that until he won it. And then I started to to look at the other titles and realize, like, wow, you know, there's just there has not been a lot of high level uh, title wins by luchadors, and now Monte has this, and I think you and I are in agreement. Before we circle back to the woes that Kakuta has had as champion, but going into 2024, hey, I wouldn't have done this here. I don't think you would have done this here. There's a chance that he loses the title in January, but you know what? Going into 2024, we can all probably admit that the Dreamgate belt is on the right guy. Yeah, I think when you look at how at where momentum has gone this year, it, it was something that Kakuta, they manufactured momentum for Kakuta partway through the run because of the run that Shimizu had and was basically served up 
so Kakuda could beat him. But momentum was not necessarily there for Kakuda all during that. It was fully behind Luis Monte. And when you look at how the Dreamgate was entering 2023, Yuki Yoshioka, you, you were the one who thought that immediately Skywalker was taking the belt immediately. Like the champion was a the champion switch was about to happen. So I I, I think it's something where the momentum is there and uh, thinking that if if he somehow does not lose the belt to Shin Skywalker, I'm kind of I don't think he's going to be a zero key, but there is something about him being a zero key to build up the big one. I you can see, but it, the his 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 dance card would be completely open. I would feel like if he got past Skywalker. I mean, I, I would you go Kai right afterwards? Because I would I'd be tempted to. I I I would be interested in Kai. I'd be interested in Mochi. I'd be interested in Ata. And I, I have a lot to say about Ata as we get towards the end of this podcast this week. You know, there's you're right. It becomes it becomes really open in terms of the direction they would go. You know, we don't have a timetable on TN Revolution and when he comes back, if if he's due back in March, all of a sudden, okay, there's there's your answer is you know. Get, get the defense versus Skywalker out of the way, knock out something easy for Champion Gate, and then you have Monte versus TN Revolution, which I would assume would be uh, the direction they want to go at some point. But yeah, I really, I, I, I don't know. And it, it makes me think that he is going to be a zero-key defense guy that he'll lose to Skywalker in January. But the problem is that you can't recapture the magic of somebody's first title win. And even if they do it in Kobe in July next year, and it's in front of more people, and it's in front of a hotter crowd, the history of it is lost. And that's why I was so against doing it in this match that now for the end of time, we're going to remember Luis Monte, his first Dreamgate win of what could be many, is going to be him doing it in a three-way match in front of a cold figuratively and literally building in Fukuoka. And that just feels like a giant miss. It just feels like they should have the foresight to prevent that sort of thing from happening. Yeah, and it's something where I feel like since we've seen Big Hug, Big Hug come together where it was, it's been incredibly hot in Tokyo. And I would be almost tempted in a way to flip-flop it and have it be that Skywalker won. And then in Yokohama, yes, that's not Tokyo, but it's not far away from that. Be, be tempted to build into that crowd for that, you know? I completely agree. I, I, I really, you know, I, I, we ultimately were where we should be, but I hate the destination that we got to it with. So let me ask you, because, you know, I, I have my star ratings up at voicesofwrestling.com. Uh, on that review, if you have not read it, I, I've started doing a thing whenever there's a new Dreamgate champion. I sort of go into a, a synopsis of their entire career. I, I don't know why I started doing that, but I started doing that, and I really enjoy doing that. So uh, I... You know, look, Monte's one of these guys where I've written about his entire Dragon Gate career. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a point where I'm doing this. I've been doing this long enough to where there are a lot of guys on this roster where I've seen their entire career. Monte has about a decade in Mexico that I'm I'm admittedly largely unfamiliar with, but I've seen his entire Dragon Gate career. And so I sort of walk through, you know, this guy that I once described as a replacement level luchador and somebody that you and I would often snicker about and go, maybe he's you know, he, he's not he's definitely not Ricochet Pac or Matt Seidel. He's more human tornado or Chris Bosch in terms of the talent level of foreigners that have wrestled in Dragon Gate. And then right after the, the the shutdown in 2020, when they came back, you know, 
we all kind of collectively started going like, hey, wait a minute, this guy's is this guy good? Did he did he get good? And then it went from did he get good to oh, he's really good. And then, you know, by 2022, I had him ranked as the 15th best wrestler in the world. And he was out for an extended period of time this year. So he's not as high this year. But nevertheless, Luis Monte, a uh, a superstar in the making, somebody with the belt. Uh, but I ask you in terms of match quality, what would you rate this match? The, the shame is they got this back on the rails, guys. Like, we probably had a really good Kakuda versus Monte match that we completely missed. Like, that's the frustrating thing, because I love the, the closing stretch. I thought everything went after Skywalker was eliminated. Like, it almost, like, his his disqualification made it feel like, okay, now the real match is happening, and the two of them just went at it for the remaining, what, seven minutes of the match? That, that's but, a great point. I don't know if that's just merely just the, the confines that a three-way dance puts you in, or right. if that's specific to this match, where, yeah, you're right, it felt like once Skywalker was out it kind of felt like a match that people would pay to see. And I don't, I don't know if it had the vibes before Skywalker uh, or rather while, while Skywalker was in there. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a very frustrating thing where if we take out the abruptness of the Zebrats kind of interlude there, I come away thinking like, okay, this might be one of my favorite matches of Kakuda's title run. And I probably would walk away with four and a quarter with that. But the thing is, is that it, the match basically comes to a dead halt. And it was not even that it was a dead halt because of chaos. It wasn't necessarily like a super smooth disqualification. It was not like bang, 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 which in a match like this that you're grinding to a halt, you want to get to those points fast, right? And Dragon Gate traditionally is very good about doing those things. That did not happen here. So No, I mean, I thought the whole setup to get there with Zebrats getting ejected, but then coming back and not being challenged when they came back, just coming back to the ring. I thought that was so lazy, and I expect so much more from Drangate. You know, anybody that buys into the house style, which you and I obviously very much do, but a lot of people do, where it's, okay, there's going to be some level of interference. There's going to be some level of madness. The heel units are going to are going to get away with this, this, and this, and that's just how it is, and I don't have a problem with that. And you largely don't have a problem with that. And a lot of people don't have a problem with that. But for them to be ejected and then to just come back was something that I I just, I can't, I can't fathom this promotion doing that. And it was a a real rare moment. Had this match really gone off the rails and not recovered, we would do 45 minutes on, you know, maybe Dragon Gate has lost the plot. Maybe maybe this is not uh, the promotion that it once was. Now, of course, that would be hyperbolic. That'd be extreme. We don't need to have that conversation because it was one blip. It was otherwise uh, a strong match that ultimately accomplished its point. But uh, the, the Skywalker thing as a whole left a bad taste in my mouth just because I, I thought it was lazy. You know, uh, if I'm booking Kakuta's out first and then Skywalker's pinning Monte for the final fall, if you don't want to do that, okay, have Monte pin Skywalker I'm sorry, have Kakuta pin Skywalker, have Monte pin Kakuta. Let's get this show on the road. But to do the disqualification, I was just not a fan of it at all. Yeah, and it's something where, like, I star rating-wise, I, I beat around the bush three and a half. And okay. I think that's a little bit charitable because of how because of how abrupt it was. Like, why were not Hyo, Dragon Daya, Ryoya Tanaka out there? 
you know, stop. Well, yeah, the playing track. defense because now because that's yeah. an interesting spot. You and know, Zebrats and the rookies. Yeah, it's six people out there. Yeah, because if Zebrats gets ejected and then they try to come back, and even if they get in the ring, but they get in the ring by way of fighting off decourage and fighting off yo. Okay, all right, look, that's that's excessive. You're certainly making Zebrats look strong, brother, brother. But okay, that's that's a story that I can get into. The problem is they just ran back into the ring, and it wasn't until after Skywalker was DQ'd that they they essentially ran a blocking pattern to get Zebrats out of the ring. And it was like, well, where was that five minutes ago? This is just so silly. Yeah, and it was until GM Rio Saito physically threw Shun out of the ring that they got the match back started. Like, I love Shun's heelism. I think it's great. I think he is one of the most compelling people in wrestling. But sometimes it just does not hit. And this match, Zebrats, the package brought it down. What do you think of the ongoing GM Saito versus Skywalker stuff? Because they're leaning more and more into that. And I, I know people that are in Japan that are really into Saito on the microphone, cutting promos against Shun Skywalker. I've talked to multiple people that are into that, but it doesn't resonate with me. And it's not something that I really want to see them playing more than they already are. It's just something where disbelief kind of happens and yes Rio Saito is still an active semi-active wrestler but I just like other than like him like ripping off the suit and going like all right we're doing this match right here right now in Cork and Hall I just don't see the long-term play of that you know yeah I'm I'm with you there I'm, I'm... And, and then after that match what do you do with Rio Saito as a wrestler like that should be it that's a great point that's a great point because I I think that's maybe why they're they're holding off on doing that because it certainly seems like they want to do that match, but maybe right, they just yeah. don't know. They they don't know what comes after it. Another question before we move back to Kakuta real quick and and do a reflection on his title run. I don't remember who it was, so I apologize. I'm not going to give them credit for the show content here. But after the Monte, when somebody in the Voices of Wrestling Discord on the Dragon Gate channel noted that they felt like this was uh, an instance where Drangate was trying to have the belt make the man instead of the man make the belt. What are your thoughts on that in regards to Luis Monte and his current star power? I'm on multiple minds about Luis Monte as champion, as star power, because if you like take how stuff is with Hio. And the big hug segments, I don't think that they are Dreamgate level. I I talked about that last week. That is just something where it it's not what I was really hoping for with that. Uh, but the belt making him, at least within the audience's mind, like I felt like that Monte was already a pretty made man before this match, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think... I think there's a real chance that we're vastly underestimating how important Monte is to the day-to-day stuff. You know, this big hug thing feels very over. Like you noted earlier, Tokyo especially is really hot right now. And it's really hot with Monte being the headliner, you know, not Kakuta. Ever since Monte came back, he really stole the thunder uh, that is Cork and Hall from Madoka Kakuta, and Kakuta never got it back. So I think it's a little bit more over uh, than some people give him credit for. I also think, and again, you know, I think there was another seven months to play with here, yes, but very much but, so. Yeah. But it's not like this win came out of nowhere, and it's not like Monte is, is unestablished as a main eventer. I, you and I, I was trying to think about this earlier today. I think we've been talking about 
whether it was Diamante or Luis Monte, the idea of him challenging for the Dream Gate belt going back to May of last year when he wrestled Yoshioka and King of Gate. I think that was the first time we had that conversation where we went, wait a minute, can they run this back in this building? You know, can Diamante be a Dreamgate challenger in an Osaka number two or in a Corrigan? And everybody that we talk to that is going to these shows were like, oh yeah, no, they could, they could do that easily. You know, the, the question was going to be throughout that entire conversation, when does it morph from Corkin into Oda City? When does it morph from Osaka number two into Osaka number one? And we didn't have to uh, theorize that much longer because once his mask was taken off and once he headlined World this year, that question answered itself. And, and when he was announced for the main event of Final Gate, we might have questioned the match itself, but nobody questioned his position in the match. Nobody questioned his position on the card, right? And thus, I think we're in a we're in a safe state go uh, a safe state going forward. Yeah, no, he was cemented. When we say like it feels like it had seven more months, it's just that the storyline felt so strong that you could string it out for a Kobe World twenty twenty four. Like basically, when when we say seven months, that's really what we're talking. Indeed, indeed. So back to Madoka Kakuta, if you don't have anything else to add on the reign of Luis Monte and going forward, let's look back. Madoka Kakuta, uh, we, we've told the story a number of times. Let me just quickly summarize it once again that, you know, hey, uh, this guy was uh, essentially a prodigy in 2020, 2021, challenges for the Dream Gate belt in 2021, hurts his arm, gone for a year. 2022, he comes back at the same show and looks like a deer in headlights. The first few months of Kakucha's return, we were like, maybe this guy doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he's never going to be a thing. You know, maybe just the emotional and mental impact of that physical injury are going to be too much for this guy to overcome. All of a sudden, he becomes D. Courage's assistant in August of 2022, and you really start to see a guy in real time, in the moment, show after show, gaining confidence, gaining charisma, and gaining fans. So when we did this uh, podcast around this time last year, it was like, man, we, you know, Kakuta might be in a, in a position to challenge for the Dreamgate belt again. And sure enough, Skywalker wins the Dreamgate in January. They go right to the story that they should, uh, which is Skywalker and Kakuta at Dead or Alive, the two-year anniversary of the Dreamgate match in which Kakuta hurt himself. So Kakuta wins the belt at Dead or Alive 2023. That show did 2,710 fans this year for perspective the year prior. It would have done 2,640. So you're basically flat uh, comparing this show with without attendance restrictions to a show with attendance restrictions. We'll skip over Kobe World because as we've talked about, we heard internally from people in Drangate after Kobe World. Uh, one, Madoka Kakuta did not headline that show. And two, they were thrilled with the number. They were absolutely ecstatic with how many people were in the building uh, when you consider the Hiromu appearance and the cage match. So we'll move on to Dangerous Gate, which was 1898 this year. That was Kakuta versus Minora. The year prior, just to give people again a compare and contrast, it was 1790, and that was headlined by Yoshioka versus Eita. So you see an over there, but only a slightly over compared to what they were doing the year prior. 2023 Gate of Destiny, that was in Osaka. That was Kakuta versus Shimizu with the big long build 
uh, to Shimizu's title challenge in Shimizu's hometown. That did 2408 the year prior, which was Yoshioka versus Yamato. That did 2208. And then we just talked about the disappointment that was the Final Gate number. That was actually less people uh, that were in the building for Final Gate 2022. So from a business perspective, Mike, what do you make of Madoka Kakuta's time as Dreamgate champion? I think it's bad. I, yes, I don't think I there's agree. a way that you could kind of sugarcoat it, but not historically bad. I think that there was not like a full-fledged rejection of Kakuta as champion, whereas arguably, if you want to talk about uh, rejecting champions, th that happened 14 years ago in this company. So it, it, it is something where... Was that Doi's run? Doi's run, the business was real bad. Yes. So it, it, it's something where I think you have to walk away with this, with like a similar mindset that one might have had towards Benkei in 2019. That it's like, all right, you had your run, but we're not going back to you for a while. The, the, this is not like Yoshioka, who I feel like he comes back for the retina, everything okay. You could probably make him back into a champion within months or you could rationalize it there or shun skywalker who i really felt like should be a three-time open the Dreamgate champion right now i think you have to walk away from kakuda going like all right we we see enough evidence that he is a champion but you look business-wise the company did not do well but it's not a it, it is the company not doing well because kakuda was a champion or was the company not doing well so kakuda is the champion kind of thing well i would i would also i would argue and this is where you know analyzing drangate business gets tricky you know there's a lot of of towns right now that i think drangate would be very excited about their their business in nagoya is very strong their business in tokyo is very strong their business in the smaller osaka building was very strong uh this past year it was four of the big five shows that were, you know, tugged the collar, ooh, that's not what we wanted, and those have Kakuta on top. So I, I, I think as a whole, Drangate business is, is certainly stronger than most, but the big show attendance this year uh, continues to be a problem with this company, and I do point that towards Kakuta. Now, I think personally, you know, okay, the Dead or Alive number was not great. I thought the Dead or Alive number would be much, much higher before that show, was surprised to see the attendance where it was. Once we got to Kobe World, to me, it was over for Kakuta at the box office. He never had a chance. There, there was never a chance that the vibes of this run were going to be successful because you have the Yoshioka match, which I advocated for. I said this would be the biggest match you've got that you can do at this show. This would be the most interesting match you can do at this show. And they did it in the least interesting way possible. And Kakuta mentally, you know, look, he's one of my favorite wrestlers on a personal level. I love the hell out of the guy. Uh, and, I, and I think he had a marvelous in-ring year, almost 30 matches at four stars or higher on my spreadsheet for 2023. The problem is that he would be great in Hamamatsu, and he would be great in Kyoto, and he would be great in Kobe. And then you'd get to the show, the big show, and you'd go, hmm, something's not right. Something, something is just off about this vibe. I don't like this. What is this? And it was, it, it's an issue that to me just stems back to July 2nd and the dead crowd and in uh, atrocious atmosphere for him versus Yuki Yoshioka. Now, whether you want to point that uh, and point the blame towards Kakuta or towards booking, I'll let you have that argument with yourself. Regardless, 
I thought after that he was box office poison and it was just never going to recover. Yeah, it kind of became a situation case where you everyone pulled the tapes when we were talking previews about uh, Kakuda and Minora and Kakuda and Shimizu and Kakuda and uh, and Skywalker and Monte. We never were talking from an air of confidence that Kakuda was walking away from the building with outright certainty as Dreamgate champion. No, it, I thought I still think he should have lost to Shimizu. I still think that was the right. And Shimizu should have lost the belt at Final Gate. I still think that. Yeah, it, it is something where I don't know if it's something that we got a little bit of mo out of Shingo Takagi. We had a good story to tell, but that was it. You because, know what's crazy? It's like. It, it, but because, case, well, what it comes down to, and sorry. No, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What it comes down to is if we take. Let's say since May of 2022. So since he returned case. About till when was it that he started being the assistant of D. That was Curly August. Day? August. So three months uh down. I'm just gonna go up or down. So three months down, decourage through uh Kobe World. So we're talking four months and then not not Kobe World, uh through Dead or Alive. We're talking nine months of him up. You would say from yes. uh, August of last year through May of it's this year. It's all positive from when he gets linked up with D Curse to when he wins the belt. It's an objective 100%. All of this is very good. This is all trending in the right direction. So we have four months down, those or three months down, uh, if we, however you want to count it, for, for his return before D Courage, the nine positive months that they're in. Where would you say he was this summer? So the two months as Dreamgate champion going into Kobe world up or down going into world was still a positive. I'd still give that an up. All right. So there is June right there. So we're at 10 months there after Kobe world going into King of gate up or down. We're down because of everybody was cold on him leaving world. Okay. So now we are at 10 to four again, 10 months that he was up four months that he were down. God, let me uh, get out my notebook. I'm okay. I'm I'm following. You're following my logic here right now. All right. So now we're we're in August. Now we're into September, and still down. Would you say uh, him versus Menorah? Yes, because the right. vibes on that match were weird. All right. So now we are at five to ten, and then October into November, uh, the build into uh, the Gate of Destiny. So two more months there, up or down. Back up, I really enjoyed that. But were you enjoying that for Kakuda? No, I was enjoying you... that for I was enjoying that for Shimizu. So we'll we'll go down. So now we are at ten to seven since his return. Oh my god, I feel like the Charlie Day whiteboard gif right now. And then this month down. He's basically other than this one stretch, he's been adrift. And we just had such a strong upward trajectory of uh, August of 2022 through um, July of 2023. But outside of that, I think you have to recognize that almost half the time that he's come back from this injury, he's been adrift. And some of that time has been as the most important person in this company. And they had to make that move. They had to. The belt had to get off of Kaguda. It's just odd where, like, it doesn't matter what you do with Shimizu. 
if he wins the belt in November, give him a final gate defense and then have uh, my, my whole thing when we previewed that match was have Shimizu win, have him beat whoever you want at final gate and then have Skywalker beat Shimizu at gate of Bayside. This was my whole pitch last month, almost two months ago. This is everything I was saying was just do this and you'll be okay. Then you have a clear runway for Skywalker versus Monte in the summer. And it's almost like December. It's like they ran out of ideas with Kakuta and we're like, well, I guess we'll just do this. And what we got with this was the three-way match. And it's, it's very silly in, in hindsight. It just feels like there were a lot of ways to avoid what we got. And we'll see if there are long-term ramifications uh, that, that we need to deal with as a result of some spotty and arguably lazy booking. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very worried about that because I, I think Monte uh, is the right guy to have the belt, but I also thought it may Kakuta was the right guy to have the belt and they did him no favors with the booking. So we'll see what they do with Monte. Yeah. And it's something where I don't know what they saw in Kakuta that the rest of the ticket buying population didn't see because there seems to be a bit of a disconnect. Because at, when it comes down to it, the numbers do not look good for him. And it's not a new thing that a young Dragon Gate wrestler becomes champion and does not kill him, does not knock him dead in his first run. But I just wonder about this guy and when he will be back up there. You can build him back up, but it's going to take some time. I feel. Well, okay. The, the disconnect between Dragon Gate and the ticket buying public here is... I think everybody can agree he was he was the right guy to put the belt on in May. You have oh, the undoubtedly, Ju yeah. yeah. So you have the you have the July defense, and you go, okay, you know, look, it's not it's not the way I would have done it because again, I mean, I thought I thought Yoshioka should have leaned heel, and and I I thought he was going to turn heel by the end of this year, but he did not. So you go through that. He's not going to lose that match, and then he's you know, it's like, what did you want? Menora to beat him you know I, I don't I think we're we're just creating a, a lateral issue there we're just foisting the prom off onto somebody else if Menora wins the Dreamgate belt there even though I have a lot of positive things to say about Menora in his 2023 the the next chance to get the the belt off of him because it's not like we were in September and October it's not like we were biting our fingernails again looking at the smaller town attendances going like oh my God, they did 75 fans in a building that they did 300 in last year. That's never been the case during Kakuta's time as champion. That's not where the problem is. It's the problem is these big shows, and the first real chance they had to pivot was November with Shimizu, and they didn't do that. So the, the disconnect is that I think they held on a month too long, but there just wasn't an opportunity before then to get the belt off of him while also not cutting out his knees from under him. And I, and I should say that with the, you know, the idea in mind that, look, I don't think this is the only time that Madoka Kakuta is going to be the Open the Dreamgate champion. And I think his second reign will be more successful than his first. When and where and how it happens, I do not know. But I don't have long-term reservations about him being champion or leading this company in some degree until we see the fallout of that second world title run. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't think that title run can happen anytime soon, though. No, no, I, I, I would agree with you there. Whereas, you know... To your point earlier, look, I, I would put the belt, you know, on Yoshioka tomorrow if there was an emergency and they needed a new champion. I think he's more than prepared, more than equipped to do that because Yoshioka, you know, his run was again during, you know, uh, about 60% capacity restrictions for the most part. 
but it was great. You know, we saw upward trajectory. We saw numbers higher than 2021 and 2020. And, you know, with the, with the sample size there, you'd think, oh, well, in 2023, they'll be beating this number. And it, and it didn't happen. Yoshioka was a successful champion. And I, I, I don't know how there's pushback against that. I, I'm starting to see more and more that I'm like, well, you know, Yoshioka's run. No, Yoshioka's run was awesome. And it was awesome the entire time. Yeah, I feel like, though, when we like do compare and contrast, Yoshioka had Eita and Yamato to help him. Out Absolutely. Here. But Kakuta, and- Kakuta had Yoshioka. They just did it in a dumb way that didn't help him with anything going forward. But outside of that, you did not have anyone there. I mean, Minora has been the prodigy, but he has not been the person you, you, you strap the, uh, the cart to and, and tell him, all right, we see you in the next town. But here's what I can't figure out about that, because we had this conversation in real time, and I still think about this a lot, and I don't know, uh, for for as many years as I've been analyzing Drangate, I've never felt a situation like this, where Minora won King of Gate, it was just a phenomenal King of Gate, and we'll talk more about it when we do a year in awards next year, so many high points from that tournament, Minora being one of them, just his entire run being very, very strong, he wins... They set up the match with Kakuta, and then for some reason, it all fell apart again. And I don't know why that was, because, uh, you know, you can look at 2022 and go, well, they did this awful angle with Coach Minora. That's why Kobe World tanked. They didn't do that with Dangerous Gate this year. Minora won King of Gate. He felt really hot throughout that tournament, but then Kakuta versus Minora just didn't feel hot. But that's not anything that I think the booking of it did. I think that speaks to those two guys and perhaps they're inexperienced still because the booking of it set up that match to be a hot match. Yeah. No, like that is the thing though. Like like the everything was going there and it felt completely earned for Minora at that time. Finally Minora did it the right way and everyone goes like, "Okay, now the the now the boy becomes the man." kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. like I don't know how else you could present that. It just did not fall through and then you you look at, "Oh, well, he didn't have he didn't have Eita like uh, Yoshioka did at that show, you know. Like, yeah, like, but but not I, I you can't rely on Eita especially, but you know Eita or Yamato challenges going forward. I I think those were the last major ones for Eita at least. Yamato, who's to say like he'll he'll probably get another run before before it's all said and done. Yeah, but, but yeah, but, you know they set Kakuta and Minora up to win, whereas I think they set Kakuta up for failure in July. They set him up for a win in August, and and you have to put that L. Look, I I, I am very forward. You you have to put the L on the company for what turned into into Kakuta versus Yoshioka. You have to put the L oh, yeah. on Kakuta and Minora because the company tried to set them up for nothing but success, and they fumbled the bag on that one. And then you continue that outwards to the Gate of Destiny. They built up Shimzu, the best I think you could build someone up in that company marvelous it was seven a seven month build yeah seven month build he takes on everyone within the generation that were proclaimed leaders he proves like i'm just as good as just all of that i don't think you could put the 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 weight of gated destiny on shimizu there because what else could you do with shimizu to make for shimizu to be stronger going into osaka and i'm with you i I, look i I, i've said it before I'll, i'll say it one more time i think I think we would all feel a little bit better about this promotion in 2023 at Shimizu 1. Yeah. 
I, I think you are right about that. And it was a good year for the promotion. That's the odd thing. Like, you know, we'll, we'll do a little bit of retrospective stuff here, but, you know, especially next week, I, you know, 2023 is not a horrible year. It's not a great year, uh, but, you know, a, a year right in the middle. But it just, you know, feels like there were some real missed opportunities throughout 2023. Uh, 2023. Yeah, it just seems like in a lot of times that whenever this company could have taken that step or the next things could have happened there was some reason why it didn't happen and not always like a lot of that was just just out of their control but you do then look at stuff like kobe world and you're like oh you kind of made that happen and you look at final gate and you look at a three-way match that now apparently it's very clear it was not hot going into it uh, at least as booked and then you have 2200 people show up for it working our way back down the card the semi-main event the 65th open the twin gate champion team decision mac match uh gold's class binke and kota Minora going against pro wrestling noah's kaito kiyomiya and alejandro a fukuoka native he wasn't pulling his weight in the ticket sales either as, it, as so it goes uh kaito well, kiyomiya well there, there's a, a fatal flaw in your business plan if you're relying on a noah jr to help you draw that that is true that is very true but the one other thing about noah jr sometimes they luck out because they team with kaito kiyomiya the new open the twin gate champions are this noah team kaito kiyomiya gets the win over menorah after two shining wizards and a hot little number that i felt like kind of overwhelmingly was the match of the night I, I technically rated the main event higher just because I thought the, the peak of the main event was better than anything else on the show. But my God, this was such a delight and an unexpected delight at that. Yeah, it's something where my favorite part of Kaito, Kaito Kiyomiya, especially this year, if you're, it, it, it was something where you say, like, where you said in your written review that Kaito Kiyomiya doesn't rate for you. It's not that Kaito Kiyomiya doesn't rate for me. It is that, like, I want him to go back to 19... 82 and be a young lion or be a rookie in all japan basically and just get his ass kicked a whole lot because that's the best kaito kiyomiya to me instead he was really inspired here it was nice to see kaito kiyomiya in this match no I, you know i i completely agree with you you think about like all of the you know dragon age is such an odd promotion right they exist on their on their own little island and when you have outsiders come in Sometimes they seem super motivated to be on that level and to work that style and to, to essentially, for lack of a better term, be one of the guys. And then you have some people come in and they either can't keep up or they don't have any reverence for the promotion. And it's, you know, it's, it's a night at the pay window for them and they move on. And I just would have assumed, and Jay did such a great job on English, uh, on English commentary explaining the origin story of Kiyomiya and how, you know, he, he wasn't a fan of wrestling. He was a fan of Noah. He didn't want to be a wrestler. He wanted to be a Noah wrestler. And I just assumed that Kiyomiya would not give a fuck about this match, to put it bluntly. I thought he would sleepwalk through it, and Alejandro would do some big spots, and then we'd go on from there. But not only was Kiyomiya in it, he was like the Trojan horse of this match. He was leading the charge, and he was fantastic. I thought this match was so good. And it was something where you look at this match and you think, okay, well, Alejandro's the junior. He's going to drop the fall here. They, I like the fact that it was Minora 
losing here because the one thing that we kind of had develop over the Dragon Gate Noah Global Dream stuff and all of that was that uh, Kaito Kiyomiya and and Kota Minora weren't on the same page. However, Kano loves Kota Minora. All right, now maybe there's going to be something that maybe it's Kano. I know he's GHC champion right now and Minora going for the Twin Gate right afterwards, but it kind of goes a little bit into uh, some of the forced-upon booking that happened last year, and I liked seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this was a very smartly laid-out match. You got a lot of Ben and, uh, and Minora, strong double teams. I really liked the way that team has come along, but you're right. The, the, the stars of this match, it was the interaction between Kiyomiya and Minora, and I thought everything up through the finish was excellent where, uh, uh, you know, Kiyomiya can't hit the Shining Wizard. It turns out Minora hits a Shining Wizard of his own, which I just thought was great. Uh, but then before he can do anything there, you get the uh, Kiyomiya comeback, the modified Tiger Driver, and then a Shining Wizard to close him out. We both assumed, given that this match was supposed to be Diane Yoshioka versus Alejandro and Kiyomiya, that Alejandro would lose and then we'd just move on. Uh, when it got changed to gold class uh, uh, instead of decourage, I just assumed the same finish would be in place. Now these Noah guys have the belts. Now they're going to defend against Jason and Jackie at Gate of Bayside at the end of January. What are your thoughts on Noah holding the Twin Gate belts? I mean, I still get a little bit of, and it's not shock. It's just like, oh, now we're dealing with Paros the Mall again. You know, like there is a little bit of that, but... uh. I, I think with Kaito Kiyomiya, and particularly it being Kiyomiya, by having the belt on him, now the Twin Gate shows up at the Tokyo Dome next week. Now, there are certain times that like it gets some more exposure for that. And thinking that in mind, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with it. I do think that it does kind of feel like going Kung Fu Masters and uh, at Gate of Bayside. Yeah, it's Yokohama, and Yokohama does have that strong Chinese population. But I do think that it does kind of feel like they're running through interesting Jackie Funky Kame matches before some turn or change happens in a way. Like, I wonder how long they keep the belt on this team because I don't look at this Kung Fu Masters team as a, yes, they're former Twin Gate champions, but I don't expect uh, them to beat uh, Alejandro and Kimia, do you? I, I don't, and it's the funny thing with Kiyomiya in particular holding now a Twin Gate belt, where let's say he does bring it out at the Dome, I have to wonder if the, the traditional Japanese media is going to look at that as Kiyomiya legitimifying, legitif legitifying, what's the word I want to use? Legitimizing. 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 I was legitimizing myself. Legitimizing. Thank yeah. you. Sorry about that. I, you know, if they're going to look at it as Kiyomiya legitimizing the Twin Gate belts, or if they're going to look at it as, oh, how the mighty have fallen, he's now champion in Dragon Gate. You know, what? what is going on with Kaito Kiyomiya, which is an odd thing to, to think about, because my point to you is going to be, and look, I don't, this is pure speculation. I, I've, I've spoken in fact about Noah quite a bit, but this is pure speculation where... I have to think Noah Noah probably loves this and Noah's probably pushing for them to hold the belts longer because they probably want all the exposure they can get. You know, if I was running Noah right now, 
I, you know, they're running a lot of the same buildings as Drangate to a quarter of the fans or, you know, three quarters of the fans. I would think, okay, all right, fine. Expose Kiyomiya more, you know, get him in front of a Drangate crowd. Maybe a few of those people will buy a Noah ticket next time we're in the same market. I would have to think that's their, their thought process here, but I don't know that to be true. Yeah, and you also look at it for Noah. Like, they have their big show coming up on the 2nd, and it is something where, like, then they have what coming up for them. It's not like what... Because what what's Kimia doing right now? Noah, he's teaming with a New Japan uh, young lion. So schism, this might actually be a way for them to do more stuff with Kimia and Noah for the next few weeks. You know, like, do a Twin Gate match and do a program that way. Ata and Hayata go after that, you know? Like, there's ways you can go with that. Absolutely. I really I really enjoyed this match. I was delightfully surprised by it. I think at some point in the near future, we'll see Ben and Minora as your Twin Gate champions, but based on the performance uh, of the Noah team on this show, I'm all for them beating Jackie and Jason, and, you know, let, let, them, let them have the belts until they're uninteresting, and I don't know when that will be, but I really liked what I saw here. Right, yeah, it, until things get more complicated, because I know, like, Jay doing a great job, like, going, like, how is it going to be to get the belts back? Now we have to go send a team there. Like, it's not like uh, this is a situation where Kaito Kimi is waiting around for the phone call to go wrestle. Like, there's a lot of ways they can go with this, and I think that's really kind of neat. And with the kind of the relationship between Dragon Gate and Noah, there can be teams that they can put together that they could have twin gate matches and Noah, and it's like okay there you go yeah you're having eights and hayata you're having kondo and kano like okay guys so so there's lots that you can do with it absolutely really good stuff though if you have not seen it and uh maybe you're you're more of a traditional dragon gate fan of the and the kiyomiya edition scared you off or uh, maybe you just haven't seen the show yet because it happened on christmas eve well worth your time this was really enjoyable you also get to hear jay confusingly go he's called galaxy view and he jay like i we don't know why he's galaxy view i would like to know why he is galaxy view okay I'm do you sure, know why? i'm sure noah's racking their brain to figure out why he's galaxy view i mean yeah i mean a galaxy view of things of noah whew, okay <laughs> not not a desirable position not exactly the view that i'm looking for well if we're gonna talk about views and someone who has a pretty nice view right now case Look no farther than the new Open the Triangle Gate champion, Yoshiki Kato, winning the Triangle Gate as the Zebrats, him, Kai, and Ishin defeat the 70 or the 87th Open the Triangle Gate champion team, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and of course, Punch Tomonaga. Kato gets vengeance for Cork and Hall as he gets a Kadare Luna on Tomonaga to win his first Dragon Gate championship. In the month of December, which is his favorite month of the year. I this was everything that it should have been. And like I, I like I said in the Discord, the punch Tamanaga thing, look, I'm inherently against him doing anything that matters, him being in any big match. I don't like it, I don't want to see it, I, I I don't like thinking about it. The Triangle Gate run, this was different. You know, his title win was one of the high points of the year emotionally for this promotion. It was a great win. It was a great moment. And I said after that, I said, look, I don't think he's going to be champion into 2024. If he is, we'll have a second conversation about this. Maybe then I'll have a problem with it. But I bet he's going to drop the belt at Gate of Destiny or at Final Gate. 
and we'll all go back to normal and everything will be okay. And that's exactly what happened. And not only is that what happened, but they built in an additional story with he and Kato and he and Kato were marvelous down the finishing stretch. Kato's heel look is amazing. He's really, he's starting to find the beats of that character and it's still, it's still brand new. You know, it's not like it's not like he's on this eternal struggle, but you just you you see it happening. You know, with Ishin, it took a little while longer, and it was you know, is he going to do this? Is he going to do this? There were you know, small gimmick changes within the gimmick. With Kato, it feels like we're a month or two away from him really being honed in on what this character is. Yeah, and it's something at least watching him figure it out. It was something that was always clear from about Yoshiki Kato the second he entered our lives case. This was a guy who was a natural heel. He looked like it. You heard the police officer thing. You saw the way he manhandled Punch Tomonaga in his rookie match. This guy was going to be a problem. And now he has the he has the devil lock working for him. He's he's pulled out leather pants. He looks like he's out of the misfits. It's fantastic. And you have now this uh Triangle Gate champion team that it's not the biggest Triangle Gate team of all time because Aki Bono is a former Open the Triangle Gate champion. But this is a really imposing group when you think about it. You get Kato, you get Kai and Ishin. It's a it's going to be a tough out for N2K as they are going to be their first challengers coming out of the Kobe Sambo Hall a year close. This will be on the 11th. Uh, so Masaki Mochizuki has a busy start of 2024 here. But yeah... I, it, it's something where we got the uh, the, the much needed Dragon Gate moment of Punch Tomonaga just like taking taking the the uh, the Nadir and being able to pull up from like the sheer force of will. He got his title defense, and now we're here where the big boys play, and it was fun to see. And Ishin really got spiked on an Ultra Rana in this match. It was this was this was a lot more fun than I anticipated. Yeah, I went, I went three and a half on it. I love the booking of them going against the uh, the M2K old guys at the second Corkin show in January. If I were a betting man, I would say that bleeds into uh, Junior coming back and Zebrats uh, defending against Junior in some capacity there. But I really like the Zebrats team. Like, you're right. They're really imposing. They're really big. And it's kind of a deal where until I see otherwise, you know, I don't want this team losing right. to... Uh, you know, KZ, UT, and Jason. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, random natural vibes team six coming in and beating them. I don't want gold class coming in and beating them. When the time is right, I think we'll know it. But one of my big, you know, focal points for what I want to see as a viewer in 2024 is I want to see some long title runs that have some some really, you know, by the end of it, prestige to them. And that's never really been Dragon Gate's thing. But I think they've missed some opportunities in recent vintage to not just put their head down and go, these are the champions until blank. Titles have changed hands too much. This is another one of those teams where it's like, all right, I really want to see where these guys go and what they can do throughout the next year. Yeah, there's no reason to take the belts off these guys until you have a reason to do so. And and it's exciting to see at least Kato in his first uh, title run to see what happens with it. And at least with Zebrats for where it's at and Zebrats being the unit it is, it's good to see, like, I feel better about Zebrats now knowing that they are Triangle Gage. Let me ask you this before I move on. What were your impressions, if there were any, of Yamato in this match? 
I think Yamato has had a sneaky fun year. Oh, and okay. Now you're speaking my language. This it, is this is what I was gonna say. It, it is something where as soon as he's gotten away from the title, basically, virtually after he dropped that the, the last Dreamgate run, I've enjoyed him so much more. He got off the shackles of high end. You don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. He got to go be a weirdo. He got to have his big match against uh, Hiromu. He faced Junior Hayato Vegeta. It, it was a great year for him. It's been an interesting year, and it's a year that I feel like is more true to Yamato than 2022 was. Three. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I was looking at the countdown. You count me in. All right. Three, two, one. Yeah, you know, this is one of my big points at the start of the year was I, I thought this year for Yamato was going to be awesome because – he he more so than anybody was never really given a break. We watched a solid decade of if he wasn't the Dreamgate champion, he was the Twin Gate champion. And if he wasn't the Twin Gate champion, he was the Triangle Gate champion. And once he was on the Triangle Gate belts, he was the Dreamgate champion again. You know, Yamato was the sole focus, or at least the 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 highest focus of this company from 2010 through December of 2021 when he lost the Dreamgate belt to Kai. And I was big on, hey, just you know, he needs, he needs a reset. He needs a year of uh, fucking around. And that's, that's what we got here. And this entire year for him was really, really fun. And I thought, you know, Kato was the star punch played his role, but just the in-between stuff that Yamato was doing in this match, he was, he, he's worked really hard all year and has had a number of performances that I really, really enjoyed this match being uh, yet another one of them. Yeah, it's something where I kind of, and I really wouldn't wish this upon uh, my worst enemy, I kind of want to see Yamato on Bloodsport now. Like, I feel like if he's going to be doing this, like, uh, this walkabout, like, away from the championships, like, like let, let's go full in on that style that, like, we've kind of seen him tease towards over over the last few years. Like, let, like let's get full MMA Yamato going for a little bit. I'm with you. I, I Look, I think he's... He's a super interesting wrestler who unfortunately wasn't allowed to be interesting for a very long time. You know, I, I can't think of a band comp, but, you know, there, there are bands that, you know, they make interesting albums when they're young. They get really big and they become uninteresting and, and they, they sell more records as a result. And I think Yamato was in a thing where he was very much, uh, you know, uh, a fiscal success more than a critical success for a very long time. And I'm happy that we kind of got like weird, weird side project Yamato this year. Yeah. 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 This is Yamato really getting into some, uh, synthesizers, you know, playing with the Mog a whole lot. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed it more than that. Uh, you know, I, I, a, a little garage rock side project. That's probably my go-to. Oh, I was hoping for some more like Mort Garrison and let's go early uh, electronica. Like, I, like, I, I'm good. I don't. I don't want that. Was that was not the year that Yamato had in my mind. I, I, I'm blanking on the the electronic musician I was trying to think of. Uh, he he did a whole entire LP case about music. You should play your plan. Mm, can't help you out here. Not not my wheelhouse. Uh, what might be your wheelhouse? The Final Gate Christmas Special Eight Man Tag Team Match. This was drawn on the 23rd at the uh, Fan. Uh, meet and greet. Uh, the teams ended up being KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, Strong Machine J, Naruki Doi versus Ultimo, Dragon Daya, BB Hulk, Shuji Kondo in a match that basically was made to make someone 
have to do the natural vibes dance. Whoever was with KZ was going to have to do party anthem. It ended up being Naruki Doi, and by God, Naruki Doi danced his ass off. Yeah, this was not my shit. You know, the, the best part about this... This was the worst thing on the show. Yeah, the best part about this was Doi dancing. Other than that, I thought yeah. this match was a huge letdown. Yeah, it went on forever, and uh, it just was not very good. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, match three, uh, the original M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Suzumi Mochizuki, and Azushi Kanda, right before they made their Triangle Gate Challenge, went up against the unaffiliated team of Don Fuji, Kagatora, and Problem Dragon. Masaki Mochizuki beat the crap out of Problem Dragon, planting him with the twister in five minutes and 30 seconds. I enjoyed seeing Problem Dragon get beat up. Yeah, he's really good at getting his ass kicked. Oh, it's, it's, his, it's what he's best at. Indeed. Uh, the last title match on the show opened the Brave Gate Championship. Hyo makes his second successful defense as he defeats Nki Horiguchi with the Samson driver. Only nine minutes and two seconds. You thought this was a little short for a, a Brave Gate match? Like, felt like it probably, like, yeah, Brave Gate matches don't get to 20 or 30, but they usually get past 10 minutes. Wasn't short given who was involved. I thought this was going to be around the around the length that it was, and you know, like I wrote in my review, you know, Genki is he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but we're we're now on this continuous like dread clock with Genki where every big match he has, you wonder if it's his last big match. And it's not that he's bad. You know, he's not an embarrassment to pro wrestling. He's just not what he once was. And that was, you know, once again, obvious in this match that I thought was good. But, you know, if you run this in 2019, even at Hyo's experience level, then uh, with Genki's body in 2019 compared to now with Hyo obviously being a seasoned veteran, uh, but Genki wearing down the way that he has, uh, the 2019 version of this match just would have been better. Yeah, and it, it is something where with Genki where he's at, like I, I felt like they hit the notes they needed to in a match like this. Uh, it, it, it's something that where Genki is, this was kind of appropriate with it. Uh you made an interesting point in your review about Hio and kind of the role he is right now. And I kind of wanted to ask you point blank, is Hio a Shawn Michaels or is Hio a Shima? Boy, what a loaded question with all of those things that that could entail. Oh, going right for it. Going right for it. <laughs> well, okay. Can you, can you explain that? the Shima side of the argument, or can you explain, I guess, what what it means to be a Shima to make sure I fully understand? So I look at uh, Hyo, and it is something with him that I kind of always had this feeling about him, at least for the last seven years, that he was going to be a ball charisma. And when you talk about Shima, especially when you talk about young Shima, that was his strongest trait more so than anything is just the sheer force of will that he was Shima and he were here to see Shima and it was all about Shima. And he was going to suck up all the attention in the room. Exactly, exactly. And it was something where more often than not, you think about the crazy Max style of heel when I think about that era of Shima, but it's not even necessarily like a heel thing. It's just, it's all about him, essentially. And... Okay, second question before I answer your question. How was that different than Shawn Michaels? Uh, fair, fair point. I did not necessarily 
think about my comparison being defeated this way. But no, no, you're good. I, I, I want to be on board. Yeah. I just want to make sure I understand what you're asking. Yeah, I'm trying to see, like, I, I guess when I look at, like, a Shawn Michaels one, it is more of a pandering towards a crowd one. Like, I think a lot about uh, dudes with attitude kind of vibe with them. Like, like, it's just, like, you have the big guy that he hides behind. You have also just the idea that it's just going to be, like, a pose-off. Like, actually, the big difference in my mind between, in this comparison, Shawn Michaels in this comparison is, is popping the pecs a lot more. Okay, all right, I follow. And the answer is still that Hyo is, is the Shawn Michaels here. Because... You and I, like, when Hyo was a rookie, you and I would be like, man, he moves like 1998 Shima. Like, he moves just like Shima did when he was younger. And I think they both explode with charisma, and I think they both take up a lot of space, but Hyo doesn't have that my way or the highway type charisma, where at least, you know, because, and you're asking this because I compared Hyo uh, to Shawn Michaels and Monte to Diesel in my written review over VoicesOfWrestling.com, you know, part of the the great flaw with Shima is that he's been able to get a ton of people over in his career, but he's almost done it in spite of himself. You know, his charisma is not built for two. His charisma is built to get Shima over, whereas even in the confines of Michaels and Diesel together, it's like, all right, well, they were both over. And Hyo, I don't think he's sucking up oxygen from Monte. I think he's only enhancing that act. All right, that's fair. That's fair. And it, it is something where I feel like you need to have someone like Hio in on that act regardless. Yes, very much so. I mean, look, he's he's one of the most important guys in Dragon Gate right now. You know, it's Monte at the top, Skywalker too. I'm not sure there's there's anyone more important to Dragon Gate right now uh, after those two than Hio. He might be the third most important guy in this promotion. Yeah, no. Absolutely. And the day-to-day operations, because you could auto, you could you argue Yamato, Doi, Hio when he shows up, whatever. But day-to-day, man, you need Hio on those shows. No, absolutely. I I'm totally with you on that. And we opened up the final gate with uh, Natural Vibes versus a pseudo rookie tag. So Daiki Yanagiuchi uh, was sick, was under the weather, so they pulled him and put Sachioka Boy on the show. But it was Jason Lee Ut. Jackie Funky Kame versus Ryoya Tanaka, Kaito Nagano, and Sachi. It was JFK with the Jackie Knife on Tanaka to win in eight minutes. A fun little opener. Really, really enjoyable. Uh, you know, a, a good night for Kame. And what I felt like was a, a match where Kaito Nagano wanted to remind everybody, hey, I'm really good too, and I matter. And I think people forgot about Nagano uh, in favor of Flavor of the Month Ryoya Tanako. Uh, Ryo Itaka, and this felt like Nagano wanting to remind people uh, about what he uh, what, what what he was all about. And at the same time, he's trying to step up, and it is something where Ryo Itaka. This is someone who has the confidence and the commitment to do basically whatever dive in the world you present to him. He's going to be like, "Yeah, I, I can try that, and I'll do it." Because it is not that he is the Christmas thing, but like you see him do his like tope con hello and you see him with his uh, lion salt and he just goes for it at, at a level that usually a rookie of that time you would see a little bit more trepidation he commits and that is been that was kind of like my big takeaway from the match was just the commitment of Roya Tanaka 
really enjoyable to watch a great night for him and i i wish him health in 2024 absolutely and it's something where with those rookies case they they, they're trying to pet the bright foot forward going into 2024 but there's a lot of people who need to do that as we now are going to step inside the uh open the voice gate stock exchange uh we we open up only like one one day after christmas and i will give the floor to our stock exchange manager case low as he's going to explain to us stock up stock down 2023 all right pretty simple and we're going to go through this at a at an expressed rate uh as we're we're just about at the 90 minute mark but you we, know, we, we got to do these trades like, yes, like the, stock, look. the stock market's <laughs> about to close this this could have been an episode unto itself but i want to do this this week uh coming off a of final gate before we do year in reviews next year so mike the game here I'm going to go down the Dragon Gate roster one by one. I'm going to talk about everybody on the roster. I'm going to tell you very briefly what they did in 2023. You think about where they were at December 2022 to December 23. You tell me stock up or stock down and uh, how bullish you are in their future, okay? Absolutely. View this as your prospectus going into the new year. Let's do it. Luis Monte, last year, uh, a very, very solid year where it felt like he broke out. And then this year... Uh, he began the year, I think this is important to note, headlining the first show of the year in Osaka with Madoka Kakuta against Kota Minora and Yuki Yoshioka in a match that was sort of symbolic of, hey, here are the guys that are going to matter this year. And then he got injured at the February Corkin, missed Ray De Parejas, was injured again on a Noah show, and then came back in April, ignited his feud with Ultimo Dragon. From there, he headlines Kobe World as one of the feature acts in the five-way cage match. Lost his mask, hurt his arm, missed King of Gate, but he came back in October and was excellent that month in November and December. And he closed his year winning the Open the Dreamgate Championship. I think you have to be a massive stock up and buy on Luis Monte with the idea that he is going to put the up and down in the injuries of 2023 behind him. Now that he has the Dreamgate, now he is the guy and a part of Big Hug with you. I think he's probably the blue chipper stock you want to build your your portfolio around in 2024 so massive buy there yes all told a great 2022 but an even better 2023 and thus he is stock up his tag team partner hyo i want to note real quick on january 8th of 2023 in kyoto problem dragon beat hyo in a five minute singles match that is where he was at at the start of the year to contextualize this he was in Ray De Parejas with Ishin, one of the weaker teams in that tournament. Had a strange year in the confines of Zebrats, where he's in a number of great multi-man Zebrats matches as a focal point of the unit. But there was also a lot of Kai, Hyo, Ishin six-man tags that did not light our world on fire. Mike, he was in the dark match at Kobe World this year. He and Kai versus Mochizuki Jr. in Ryoya Tanako. Uh, Ryoya Tanaka, that's the second time I've done that to him. He went to the semifinals of King of Gate versus Coach Minora. He turned on Zebras and joined with Luis Monte in November. And then he won the Brave Gate belt and his Brave Gate champion entering 2024. Comparing his 2022 to his 2023 stock up or stock down, Mike? Oh, his stock is up for 2023, but this is a this is a stock. And as someone who I was one of the, when the Hyo Watanabe stocks went IPO case, I was first and foremost there trying to put forth my money, getting in on the ground floor. 
I don't know if he can go up, up. I think that when we look at Hyo, 2023, ending the year, this is his mountaintop, and it get prepared that as soon as Big Hug, the uh, as soon as the shininess is gone out of this and the unit kind of solidifies, get ready to sell that stock a little bit and then buy again when the heel turn eventually happens. All right, so that's Big Hug. I want to go through the unaffiliated guys because this is just a fun list. Uh, Ultimo Dragon this year, uh, wh- wh- what are your thoughts on him? Can you remember anything that Ultimo did? Well, he was in the main event of Kobe World, Okay, <laughs> Yes, he was. <laughs> but outside, He, he of- was also in the main event of uh, Kobe World last year that was attended by 1,900 people. That is true. That 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 is true. Uh, Ultimo thirty five. Uh, a day that'll forever go down in infamy. It was a long day. Yeah, yeah. Oy. But I don't know really like what you can do with Ultimo at this point, other than keeping on being Ultimo. It's not up or down. It's just kind of maintenance at this point. I have in my notes he was less annoying this year than he was last year. Stock up for Ultimo Dragon. Yeah, we didn't have to deal with all the Peros del Mall and a uh, Hiel del Santo match that should have happened 35 years ago. Yes, uh, more, the, the Santo match far more offensive than some of the Pero stuff that happened. As for Yamato, high-end ends at the second Corkin of the year in January. He transitions from high-end to the reunion of Yamadoy and Rey de Parejas, who were excellent. I, I keep this Dragon Gate specific, but I do want to note Yamato's great match with Gurkhan Mask and Ryuku Dragon Pro in April. He has the Hiromu match at World. He is bounced in the first round of Kingdom Gate with Don Fuji. He has the Fujita Jr. Hayato match at Dangerous Gate. A brief alliance with Tian Revolution before he got hurt. And then the Triangle Gate champion, or one third rather, until the end of the year. Think about Yamato in 2022 with high end versus Yamato in 2023, stock up or stock down. Stock up because he was out of high end. Yep, absolutely. He was very, very fun this year. We already talked about that. Dragon Kid, a, a similar year, uh, team with Dragon Daya and Ray de Prejas. No big, I would say, like signature Dragon Kid match this year, but also was not in high end, which felt like a plus. Uh, your thoughts on him? I feel like because of the All-Star Junior Festival and uh, his U.S. appearance there, I feel like it's pretty good year for him. Like, it's not just the easy stock up he got out of high end kind of thing. I feel like that this kind of was like a legacy year for uh, Dragon Kid. One of the ones where I feel like in a lot of ways he kind of came back in some people's hearts and minds. And I feel like that that was a really fun thing to see in 2023 up. That's really funny you say that because... We, we hadn't talked about sort of our thoughts on all of these individual guys, but that's exactly what I thought was. I thought he solidified himself as sort of an all-time great this year. And we did a lot of Dragon Kid coverage for a guy that wasn't in the title hunt really at all. But this was just a year that made me go like, man, he's so under undervalued in the context of wrestling. So we're on the same page there. Somebody else undervalued in the context of wrestling history, Don Fuji. Uh, the highlight of his year, he was a part of Stalker Ichikawa's homecoming match with he and the aforementioned Konamami Ichikawa, Dragon Kid, and Yamato versus Zebrats. For that alone, to me, Don Fuji is a stock up this year, even though his 2023 was not the most exciting year of his career. Yeah, it's something with like Don Fuji. So uh, last he had his 25th anniversary last year. Yes. So 
he that was kind of I would say that that's more prominent than the incredible Stalker Chikawa match that like the match that is going to end up on my top ten matches of the year list. That 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 one is pretty healthy number ten. Dra- Dragon Gate exclusive or worldwide? I mean, I really love that match, man. If you vote at 10 for Voices of Wrestling, I will also vote at 10. All right. uh, We're doing a a tontine here. We're we're in on this here. So two points for that match in the the match of the year pool. That is that Gifu show is one of the it's one of the best hours of wrestling of the entire year up there with anything from Arena Mexico, anything from AEW. Any semi-main event and main event of New Japan, that Gifu show, the, the stuff we got from that, which is the Stalker match and the King of Gate match, and I don't know if we got anything else, but those two things combined, as good as it got in wrestling this year. I really, truly believe that. I mean, by acclamation, that was the 2023 small show of the year, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that building was packed. It was just, that was a great, it was great. I love that. It, it was the locker room sellout. The locker room sellout there as well. So, yeah, I, I guess you kind of have to go stock down a little bit for Don Fuji, at least just because he had his 25th anniversary. What's next? Really, the 30th. But he had a good time. Genki Horiguchi celebrated his 25th year in wrestling this year. No big tournaments, no big title matches, uh, but a very fun homecoming show towards the end of the year. And then the aforementioned Brave Gate Challenge from December. I went stock down on Genki Horiguchi because he continues to show his age. Yeah, and we are just in that march. I guess we could say stock up because he got to have this good tour for the 25th anniversary of his career, but it just kind of put some things on display there that we that we all knew, that yes. we knew for years. It's just like, this is not a stock of what you build your portfolio around. You just think about the warm times you had that stock. Loved that homecoming show, but stock down. Takashi Yoshida, far more important within the threads of Dragon Gate last year than this year. Remember, he was flirting with joining, with, with wanting to join Gold Class at one point. This year, none of the sorts. Uh, I, I would say for the best, an uneventful year for Takashi Yoshida and stock down just because he did nothing. Yep, didn't do anything, but didn't bring anything down. But still, you don't have that stock in your portfolio. No, you do not. Shuji Kondo, not a full-time schedule guy. Uh, doesn't work a full-time schedule anywhere, but works Drangate in Noah. I thought his Drangate stuff this year was excellent. He won the Twin Gate belts from Natural Vibes, uh, had a great defense of those on a Mochizuki Produce show, had what I think is one of the best matches of the year with he and Kano versus Susumu and Kanda at the June Korokan show. And Shuji Kondo, I thought time and time again in Dragon Gate, was a pleasure to have a round stock up for Shuji Kondo this year. Stock up frustratingly, but we know that this is kind of I, I I can't see him having more of a featured year like he did this year. Like this is kind of what you can expect out of him. Like best case. I am with you. So the fun of this game, to me at least, is obviously the guys that are in units, but also some of these unaffiliated guys. It's fun to go back and look at their year. Mike, tell me something that Kagatora did this year. He came back from injury to run in during the high-end alliance versus Zebrats losers must spans match. Even I forgot about that. Wow. Okay. All That's right. it. That is it, though. Follow-up uh, question. Follow-up question. What did Kagator do at Kobe World this year? Tell me the there were he was in a six-man tag. Tell me the names of the six men in that match. Oh, it was his anniversary match, right? God damn it. Do you remember this? 
Uh, it had Taruno Hashi in it. I know okay. that for sure. Uh, did it have a Taruno Hashi, but did it have, uh, I'm blanking. I want to be so annoyed if you get another person this, because this blew my mind when I saw that this match happened this calendar year. It had Taruno Hashi. Was Toru Washi in this match as well? No. Okay. All right. Thank goodness. You didn't, <laughs> didn't kill my bit. The, the match that Kagatora was in, you're right. It was his anniversary. It's Kagatora, Taruno Hashi, and UT. Versus Dragon, Daya, Eita, and La Estrella at Kobe World this year. What the fuck were we I doing? Have, I have zero recollection of that. <laughs> Stock yeah. down for Kagatora. Not, down. not a good down. year for him. Down. Yep. Punch Tamanaga, on the other hand, one up. really memorable moment up for him. Good year for him. Also, sneaky great Buyudin wrestler. That's <laughs> I it's, it's true. Uh, okay, all right, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Up. Uh, oddly, you, you bring up Booyot in there. Somebody that was hurt for all of the Booyot in shows, somebody that I really want to have a conversation about. Rio Fuda. 40, I... 42 matches this year. Got his first win in August in Kobe. That led to singles matches with Jackie Funky Kamei and Yuki Yoshioka. He got into a program with Ishin over the Brave Gate belt and then got hurt again. What do you make of his 2023 in contrast to where he was at in December of 2022? Well, Case, this is you've constructed the only way that I could say that Rhea Fuda was up because his 2022 was just non-existent. So you have to go up, but like, I don't know. Like, you're the Fuda guy. Sell me on wanting to have Rhea Fuda stock going forward because is, I can't see the logic. This is the sick part of me. This is where I like, I want more. Because I think what we saw this year, in particular, the Jack match, and then especially the Yoshioka match, both of those were on YouTube. It was clear he has all of the talent necessary to be a success in Dragon Gate. He could be a guy. He, he could be a strong mid-card, almost echoes the career pattern of like a Kagatora-type guy. It's just a matter of his health. And his health, unfortunately, is probably going to win out in that fight and rob yeah. us of many, many good Fuda matches. I'm stock up, and I'm buying more just because it's so low. Because I think, and even if it's just six I'm shorting. Months, I'm shorting <laughs> Fuda. Like, go ahead, buy it. Go, go, get underwater with Fuda stock. I'm shorting it because he, his, you know, his, his high-end potential is it's UT. He's, he's not even a cockatoor because he, he can't even get out of the gates. Yeah, but think about UT on his best day. Yeah, on his best day, he is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, but I'm not going to have him in my stock portfolio. Super Shisa just said so. He just uh, tweeted open the voice kit about it. Uh, go check the mentions. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, look, I, I thought this year in a sick and twisted way, it doubled down my belief in Fuda that if he can just fight off those demons, and he had so much bad luck in 2022, where his heart was in the right place and it just backfired on him, if he could just figure it out for a little bit, he is going to be so exciting to watch. He was so exciting to watch this year. I have to go stock up on Fuda, whereas Kaito Nagano, who follows him, Nagano, uh, team with Kanto and Rey de Parejas, they lost a Triangle Gate match at Memorial Gate where they teamed with Don Fuji. He got hurt in May and then came back and then got hurt in September. I feel like this uh, is a massive letdown. Think about where we, where we were at with uh, Nagano at this time last year compared to this year. I have to go stock down on him. Yeah, and it, it's something where I just 
when I look at Kaito Nagano, I really, really want to believe. Because there's so much fun things about Kaito Nagano. He is such a unique flyer. His gimmick is Dragon Gate in the way that Dragon Gate only Dragon Gate can be. You know, think about what happened if you had a soccer enthusiast character in any other company in the world case. Outside of maybe D, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, you'd be like, okay, this guy's an absolute geek. But he makes it work. But the thing is that Kaito Nagano has been lapped. He has been lapped by Yoshiki Kato, and he's been lapped by Ryoya Tanaka down. Daiki Anaguchi debuted this year. No comment on him. Yosuke Santa Maria did not wrestle this year. No comment on her. Problem Dragon was not offensive. Therefore, I have him as a stock up wrestler. He was a member of the high end alliance. This is like the this was like the best year that he had outside of Mad Blanky and outside of Over Generation Up. This is why we do this. I completely forgot he was loosely affiliated with high end. I just, oh, yeah. just blacked it out. Yeah, no, uh, had an interesting like like high end alliance what like think about five years from now case we're talking about 2023 we're talking about what was worse high end or over generation and we have to look and see affiliate problem over generation was far more destructive but i also feel like they probably peaked higher than high end did i'm with you on that uh konomami chikawa homecoming show we just talked about it for that reason alone stock up he did not uh capture the open the ware gate title Stock down. I mean, you expect him <laughs> sure, to do I'm one sure that thing. Keeps him up at night. <laughs> you expect him to do one thing, right? You bring back this title. You expect him to win it, and he's and he lost to Kikataro, and he's now going against Lanjiro Mudo. So one would hope he can get it back. Sashioko Boy did nothing of note this year. I have him as a stock down guy. Unless down. is there something I forgot about uh, Sashioko Boy's year? Uh, they did a bunch of Okayama shows. They did. No. I feel like they run Okayama a lot. A lot more than what the attendance makes me think that they should be writing Okiyama <laughs> personal. Naruki Doi, what a great year for him. We get his first full year as a freelance guy. Doi teams with uh, Yamato and Ray De Parejas. He wins the Triangle Gate belts. He wins the Triangle Gate belts at Kobe World. I'm sorry, he wins the Triangle Gate belts at Kobe World. Uh, loses to Coach Minora in the first round of King of Gate. He's involved in that three-way October Triangle Gate match. And he ends the year doing the Natural Vibe dance. This is a stock up for Doi in the context of Dragon Gate and worldwide. What a what a wonderful year this was for him. Just a massive win in all Japan and DDT and everywhere he wrestled. It felt like Doi was firing on all cylinders. This is what I hoped for Doi when we heard he was going freelance. You wanted him to go and do all these things and then come back to Dragon Gate and be a champion in Dragon Gate. Like stock up. Like the only thing the only thing I hope different for Doi in 2024 I want somehow impact to make this work because I know that this would make everyone's day. Naruki Doi versus uh, Alex Shelley. I, I want to see that match happen in impact because I feel like that's the place it could happen. I feel like Alex Shelley would also really enjoy that. So I, uh, I'm with you there. Somebody that I don't think uh, capitalized on their contractual status very well in 2023, Ata. Uh, when you think about what he did this year, he had no great Dreamgate match like he did last year. Uh, contrary to what some people think, he did not have any great Triangle Gate matches like what he did in Paros Del Mall de Japon last year. In fact, in my spreadsheet, he had no four-star matches at all. A an extremely frustrating year of existence for Ata. Uh, his best match, I would say, is his KZ King of Gate match, which I went three and three quarters on. 
he just continues to be uh, a headache who might be worthwhile, but a headache nonetheless. I have Ata as a big stock down. Yeah, like if you haven't already sold all your Ata within Dragon Gate stocks, then you're lost all your money. Like down. Like I to the extent that I would love to know how many like tickets he actually moves on those Dragon Gate shows. He's so over. That's the thing. I can't yeah. I can't I can't knock him. Yeah, he's, yeah, I can't. he's routinely one of the three most over guys on every show he's on. But I would like to see like the evidence that like he's over, but is he actually like selling tickets making it worthwhile? That's but do the you question. think if they put him in a program, you know, if they if they basically entered like TW booking and were like, hey, January 7th, we're starting Ata versus KZ as a feud. Do you have any doubt that that would sell tickets? Oh, I think it absolutely would. But I don't ever see that happening. I would I would love to know why it is that they're reluctant to do stuff with him. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's his call or the office's call. I'd really like to know why. Yeah, but you have to go down on him regardless. Or you have to go, you have to, have to point downwards on him, <laughs> rather. Yes, very much so. <laughs> it took me a second, very much so. Uh, Kenichiro Arai, his stock is up on a global level because I think, you know, I, I haven't seen the match that everybody wants to talk about yet, but hey, good for Kenichiro Arai. Kenichiro Arai, there's a match that everyone's talking about? The, the hour-long match. I completely missed out on this. I've not been on in case. I've been dealing with squirrel infestations. What is this hour long match of Nietzsche or I? I feel like people should have told me about that. Mike, there's a match of his that's getting legitimate match of the year buzz. Well, I, as there should, it is Nietzsche or I. I was going to say stock up regardless, but. Okay, I let mean, me see. I don't I don't think it's on cage match. Um, You you don't know about this? I. Well, like this is getting developed to such a point that I'm wondering if you are gaslighting me. No, 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 no. This is this is a real thing. Let me. Okay. Okay. Let me let me look. If I search Kenichiro Arai on Twitter, yes. Okay. So it's Gentaro from the the uh, the the promotion where he has the flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're okay. selling this match individually. Because it's considered, like, the people that have watched it have said it's one of the best matches of the year. Well, I'm going to have to go buy a, uh, I need to go find where I can go buy a Kenichiro Rai match. Please, so, I, I never say this, someone let me know how I can get this Kenichiro Rai match. Yeah, they'll, they'll help you out, and if not, talk to uh, Andy Labar, and I think he can help you. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair, but hell yeah, hell yeah, stock up. I was going to go stock up regardless, though. La Australia. Uh, I in theory stock up because he stopped by and they kind of gave up the ghost about him. I feel like the fact that he showed up and then everyone forgot about him immediately after he left is stock down. You know, I I think he had a very I see fr- your rationale. I see. Yeah. It. yeah. Well, yeah, look, I mean, fair. he had he had a Brave Gate match and he appeared on Kobe World this year, and when he went back to Mexico, nobody was like. Well, you know, when Australia comes back, they're really going to be rocking. You know, it just, it never happened. That conversation has not taken place ever. And I, 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 <laughs> I don't think that conversation will ever take place. <laughs> but, you know, it's what I said 18 months ago. I said, I could see Australia essentially being the Dragon Gate liaison and like Ultimo Dragon's professional tag team partner going forward. And we're, we're entering that reality more and more where, he might just be the guy that lives in North America and is, you know, comes over for world every year. Yeah. And I think honestly for all parties, that seems to be the vibe where everyone kind of wants to get. 
And that's that's fine because you know what? Like, I don't really want Estrella in Big Hug. You know, even as a loss post, right? Like, I don't. No, not at I, all. I don't want that. Yeah, I I'm very like. It, it it's just something where like. I don't know where he goes within this promotion. So, like, if you have stock on La Estrella at this point, like, he was not bad in the promotion this year. But, like, as you were saying, like, you had to remind yourself that he was in a Brave Gate match at Dead or Alive. At a, it was at the Hokkaido show. I thought it was Dead or Alive. It no, was no, no. Even... It, was, it was one of the Hokkaido shows. I don't remember who Jason wrestled at Dead or Alive. Um, it was Dead or Alive this year. Not, not SP Kento. That was last year. Hold on one second because uh, I want to get this right. No, he wrestled He wrestled Jason at one of the Hokkaido shows, and it was fine. You know, it was what we always say about Australia. It was, okay, not bad. You know, Jason did a great carry job, and they, you know, they moved on from it. But uh, it was Jason versus Daya this year at Dead or Alive. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but again, forgetful. That's you know, that's his whole thing. It just feels like Estrella, like I can't imagine him in the same gimmick and the same look, not wrestling with Jason Lee or with Dragon Daya, and then you're just doing Masquerade at that point. I, I would be really interested in if he could develop any sort of heel persona. Like I'd like to know what he would look like in Zebrats or another Shun Skywalker led heel unit. But I just, I don't think he fits in. He's just a rogue puzzle piece. Yeah, and it's something where it he always kind of stuck out like this. Like, things did not make sense about him. And I don't know. It, it, it is something where I just, the stock is down and it's not going to change. No. You know? T, T and Revolution, on the other hand, I'm going to go first here. I went stock up because we had high expectations for him. We thought he was going to be a big deal. And while he was here, while he existed before that injury, it was bigger and better than I ever thought it was going to be. Yeah, he kind of, things were different and things look so much different if he comes back and if he's around in the way that we hope he can be around. Right. Like, you, you, this is the one that you he got hurt. He I, we haven't really heard much updates since the big injury update thing no him. and i th- and i think that's purposeful i don't think people yeah. want to talk about it i think they 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 want to do again what they did with him in mexico they, they want him out of sight out of mind so he can come back and now do it all over again yeah and i think that that is the uh, right kind of move with that and i think you just have to go up with him just for the fact that as soon as he shows back up one would hope things feel different again with him around because that's what he offers and it was very clear if even for those three weeks, how different things are with TN Revolution. Okay, last guy on this list before we get into some heavy hitters. Ho-Ho Loon, stock up. I thought he had a good year. Absolutely, stock up. KZ, started the year as a Twin Gate champion, had a uh, great defense with he and Shimizu versus the Mochizukis, went to America this year, which is easy to forget about. He beat Eita and lost to Hyo in King of Gate, won the Brave Gate belt, then lost it right back to Ishin, and closed the year really in a similar spot to where he was in 2022. I really thought this year kind of mirrored his 2022, a sneaky great in-ring year where he was yet again not the focal point of the company stock up for KZ. I, it, it is something, though, that like you look at how he entered 2023 big time, looking like a strong Twin Gate champion, and, did, and how he's entering 2024 when... Natural Vibes feels like for the first time, like Jackie Funky Kamei 
might be out sometime soon. Uh, and I can, I, it's hard for me to go up on KZ. Okay, so that's that's an interesting point. You know, I think the the positive with KZ right now, the reason I look at him as an up guy is he's in this very comfy position, but if it gets disrupted at all, if if there's any change to his desires as a character, any change to his unit, any change to his gimmick, he's starting in a good place. He didn't do anything to damage his reputation this year, didn't do anything that made him less popular. Again, his 2022 mirrored his 2023. By the end of the year, I was going, damn, you know who had a good year? Casey had a really good year. It just wasn't spectacular in any sort of bright lights, main event marquee type of way. But I think he continues to to set himself up for success. That's fair. But I just, I'm personally down. Like, I just, I, I don't know what you do with him at this point. That's like, fair. That's fair. But, I, you know, I look at this from the perspective of, like, look, if I was KZ... I'd be like, great, I got a job, I'm over, I know what I am. This is so much better than being in 2012 or even 2015 where I'm fighting for everything. Yeah, like if we're going on the history of the KZ stock, it is still like you went through it in 2009 through 2015. Yeah, that was a tough time. Absolutely. Big Boss Shimizu, maybe the most easy stock up Uh, of anybody. Yep, up, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go through that one. What about UT? Came back in Dead or Alive this year, lost Hyo in the first round of King of Gate, had the KZ singles match at his anniversary show for his 10th anniversary, and doesn't feel like he did much else. I mean, he did enter, he did leave the year not injured, which for <laughs> which for UT, UT is a penny stock, but UT is a penny stock with a lot of heart. As a longtime UT stockholder, he came back, he had a anniversary match, it is better than where he was last year. I'm up, but I mean, we're talking about up in the most minuscule kind of fashion. This is this is the penny stock that you're allowed to have. I'm going to keep my Fuda penny stock. Because okay, that's I, fair. I, it's, that's yeah, fair. I'm, I'm stocked. I, I was very disappointed by UT this year. Uh, Jackie Funky Kamei, what more can we say about him? I don't need to do any more coverage of him. He was great last year. I think he's in an even better spot this year. Stock up for Kamei. Big match, Jack, up. Jason Lee is an interesting one. You know, he was in Rey de Parejas. He won the Open the Brave Gate Championship from Minorita. He defended versus Dragon Daya and La Estrella and then lost to Ishan. I feel like this was a letdown year for him, though. You know, this was not the year where I said, Jason is the best junior in Japan, minus maybe Hiromu on Hiromu's best day. He took a step back, and I don't know. I sometimes wonder if he's too muscular if he can't move around the way that he does, maybe it was Kamei just being so good that it stole his spotlight. Maybe he's just aged. Maybe he was injured. I don't know what it was. Jason was very good this year, but he has had better years. And I think I thought more of him last year at this time than I do this year. I think that, yeah, he got the uh, Brave Gate run, but it is something where I think we... If Natural Vibes is in the exact same spot as they are in six months, we need to have a serious discussion because it feels like a time where you kind of want to see him take new steps and maybe turn heel almost. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. You know, I, I just there, everybody in that unit is in a very interesting place. Strong Machine J, another one of those guys, a big stock up. And, and if you remember yeah. last year, he was our biggest stock up guy. And I think he went up another level because he challenged for the Dreamgate belt this year. He was a focal point of the Kobe World main event. And it was a quiet 
but productive back half of the year. The big win is that we know who he is and we know he can exist in this universe. We know he has a bright future ahead. I think this is one of the biggest trending upward stocks in all of Dragon Gate. Yeah, I mean, he became a big six member when I don't think if you were to say before uh, May 5th, 2023 case, name the new big six, he would not have been on that list. And no. think because of his Dreamgate shot and then, you know, getting this distinction massive up again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that is Natural Vibes. We move on to Zebrats. Shoot Skywalker, start of the year. He won the Dreamgate belt in January. He teamed with Kai and Ray De Parejas, lost that Dreamgate belt to Kakuta, and immediately focused on Strong Machine J as a result. He lost to Big Boss Shimizu and King of Gate. He went to America, and his absence, in my opinion, was felt. And then he came back and fired up his feud with Luis Monte. Skywalker, for me, was one of the best wrestlers in the world last year, and I only think he got better this year. Stock up for him. The most compelling person in all of pro wrestling. Up. The thing with Skywalker is that I think by this time next year, I think when we do the same conversation, the same date a year from now, we're going to finally have the ability to contextualize him within the history of Dragon Gate. I think by that point, it's eight years in. Yeah. Four or five years as a main adventure, because that main event run really starts in 2019. We're just going to be able to look at, you know, 25 years of this promotion and go, okay, Shun's on this level. He's not Shima, Yamato, or Mochi, but maybe he's on that second level. Maybe he's a level below that, but it just feels like we're hitting that point where... I'm starting to ask myself, hmm, have there been 150 wrestlers better than Shun Skywalker in history? Where does he rank in the context of Dragon Gate as a tag team wrestler and as a singles wrestler? And I think we're going to get to that point next year where we're going to be able to tell that. The thing that he's missing, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this. I'd like to know the Discord's thoughts on this. What is the signature Shun Skywalker match? Because I don't think he has the one that everyone can say is the one. Hmm. And I weirdly think that damages his reputation. I think it's either uh, Kobe World uh, last year or two years ago against KZ. I think it's it's either that or it's it's Shun Monte versus uh, Kung Fu Masters. Which is more of a Kame or a Monte match than a right. Shun match, which is the the weird thing because you're right. That's that's the best match he's ever been a part of. But you could you could tell me it's Mochi and Shun versus Yamato and Hulk from 2018. You could tell me right. it's Mochi versus Shun from King of Gate. You could tell me it's it's Shun versus KZ from World 2019 or World 2021 or Yamato uh, the next night. You could tell me. It was the mask versus mask match at the end of 2021, the tag match, or you could say it's the Kobe World 2022 Kung Fu Masters match, or you could say it's the cage match this year, or maybe the Kakuta match. He he has all of these high-end match of the year caliber matches, but he doesn't have the definitive Skywalker match because, again, I, I look at the Kung Fu Masters tag as a credit towards Kamei and Monte mostly. If he can accomplish that in 2024, and I would think that it's a singles match with Luis Monte, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, that is going to change the way that 
everybody thinks about him. That one definitive Skywalker match, I think then we're going to be able to really place how he ranks in the history of this promotion. Yeah, and it's something where I think he's going to be the interesting one to compare to uh, GGUSA era draws in Dragon Gate because he's just so different from how Shingo was in 2008 through 2015, yeah. for example. Like, yeah. completely different thing. And I'm that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to with the uh, Dragon System 25 project and the poll is going to be where he, he is the person where there can be an argument made that Shun Skywalker is a top 10 wrestler in Dragon System history. And you could also say he's not, does not deserve on the list. And I think you can make an argument either way. Kai was Open the Dreamgate champion for parts of 2022. I felt like he was a big part of the promotion, whereas this year he was largely in the backseat. And for that reason, I go stock down. Yep, stock down and someone that needs, things need to change of Kai in 2024. Ishin, uh, I believe he closed the year as a Triangle Gate champion last year. This year he closes the year uh, having just come off of a Brave Gate, uh, a def- uh, two-time Brave Gate champion. I felt like this year was a lot of growth for Ishin. I thought he figured some stuff out. I am still not as high on him as uh, people like you are, for instance, but I still think this is a stock up year for Ishin, a productive year. I think it's impossible to say. I don't know how one can say this is a down year for Ishin. Yes, the uh, uh, the Mass Z era Ishin did not go off like gangbusters, but you walk away with someone who's now a two-time Brave Gate champion, two-time Triangle Gate champion, and where he is now undoubtedly is much higher than where he was, even starting the heel run last year. Yoshiki Kato at this time last year was uh, barely debuted, just a rookie. Now he tapping is a Triangle Gate Tominaga. champion. Yep, yep. Tapping out Punch Tominaga as a rookie and then pinning Punch Tominaga as a as a heel in Zebrats, an obvious stock up. He is a problem. Stock up. Well said. Let's move on to gold class here real quick. Coach Minora, uh, just a disastrous 2022, a horrible year. He is a stock up guy simply for the fact that he rectified his career and reminded people of the potential that he has. Oh, I think he did a lot of great rehab in 2023. He won King of Gate. He had a clean challenge, which was a big thing with yep. it. And uh, he grew. he grew up. And I think that this was something where we will talk about how this year was really not just where he got his groove at, but where he kind of figured himself out. And that's not to mention the the early part of the year where, you know, he wins the Triangle Gate belts really early in the year. He also teams with BB Hulk and Ray De Parejas, and they were not the best team in that tournament, but they did have the match with Kakuta and Yoshioka and Cork in that 20-minute time limit draw. And that was one of the first times since the debacle began that I really, I was reminded of why I once loved Kota Minora. Yeah, it's just something where I feel like he did a lot of reputational uh, improvements this year and stuff that was really, he could not have another debacle year. Like three debacle years in a row case, we would then really be talking about long-term damage. And I think one calendar year, he cleared it all up. And he ended the year strong in his tag team with Ben K. Ben K, uh, at this time last year, we were still in the thick, it felt like, of Chicky Chicky Mania. 
and what the hell happened to Ben K and he's got bananas and he's got gold chains and he's got promo skills all of a sudden and this and that and the other thing. I thought Ben was great this year. I just thought he was better last year uh, comparing where he was in December of, the, of 2022 to December of 2023. Yeah. And a lot of it was that he was hurt by the fact that gold class had so many injuries, you know, like yeah. all the change. It, it was something that he was the second savior of gold class after Minorita, but this is just a unit that just does not get a break. And it just was not his year in that regard. So it's a down. Minorita closed the year as Final Gate champion in 2020, or as Brave Gate champion, one of that Final Gate in 2022. He was excellent this year up until he got hurt. I still look at him as a stock up because I just think there's a lot more left of the tank uh, with Minorita than, than we all initially thought. And I thought he showed some real chops this year and some real longevity uh, before the injury. So I go stock up on Minorita. Like Mark Henry, he had a lot left in his tank. I'm up. It is something where I'm interested to see how he comes back and what he is when he comes Very much so. Because I, I don't know. I know he's starting to, to put weight on that leg. I know he's doing some light workouts. But I, I don't know if they can hold out gold class until he comes back and if he comes back and there's no gold class then we have a lot of questions on what he's right. going to be very yeah. interesting i'm curious about that no absolutely bb hole cannot stay healthy this year stock down stock down uh we've already had our last stock up year bb hulk and that was last year interesting as we get into decourage here Madoka Kakuta, Ray Day Parejas with Yuki Yoshioka, where Yoshioka took the falls in that team. He won a number one contendership match against Coach Minora in April for the Dreamgate belt, then won that Dreamgate belt, and then he had a bad Yuki Yoshioka match, a weird Coach Minora match, a great Big Boss Shimizu match, and then he lost the belt in a three-way to Luis Monte. Where are you at looking at Kakuta this time last year to this year right now, stock up or stock down? If we're just comparing where he was on uh, December 29th, 2022 to 2023, you have to go down. Like, you have to go down because you think about where he was, like, coming off of the Shingo Takagi performance and where things were really starting to come together for him. And over the course of the year now, like, we spent an hour trying to make sense of Madoka Kakuda as Dreamgate champion. And... Yeah, he went to some great places this year, but do you feel as confident in Madoka Kakuda right now as you did this time last year? I don't. I'm down. Well, I, I see that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree slightly, you know. Coming off of that Shingo match, I think it was the seminal, like, okay, we think this guy can do this match. Now, what that was was okay, Dreamgate champion, and then we'll see where it goes. I still think, you know, if we if we set the depth chart for 2024, if we did the power rankings at Kakuta's, you know, what the the fourth or fifth most, you know, I guess in quotations over guy in the company, you know, it's Monte one, Skywalker two, maybe Hyo three, Yamato four. But you're not you're not getting much farther down on this roster without saying, OK, here's where Madoka Kakuta ranks against everybody else. And I think that's higher than where he was last year. He wasn't the 1A guy in D-Courage last year. It was Yuki Yoshioka. And I think, you know, up until Final Gate, Dragon Daya was probably ranked ahead of him. This year, 
it's a real 1A, 1B with he and Yoshioka, and I think he's blown by Daya and the importance of, of being in D-Courage. That's fair. I, I see where you're coming from for that. Yuki Yoshioka had a sneaky great year. I want to talk about him real quick. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, he lost to Dream Gate Belt in January. He uh, then took all the falls in Rey de Parejas, and he still stayed over and relevant throughout the year. He beat Kamei and Dragon Kid and King of Gate and then lost to Coach Minora. And the thing about Yoshioka that uh, I don't really feel like we've had a, a conversation about, he is a great house show worker. You know, uh, Dragon has been doing the, the the fan cams on the house shows for two years now, started at the beginning of 2022. And I'm not sure anybody has benefited from more spreadsheet level matches in those two years, other than maybe Jackie Funky Kamei, and that's a maybe, than Yuki Yoshioka. And that was what impressed me throughout this entire year was like, man, this guy works hard on every single show and he looks good doing it. And I just felt like even if his stature, you know, he obviously was Dreamgate champion uh, at this time last year, but I'm going to say stock up because I feel like there was a real opportunity for him to fall off the face of a cliff this year and it didn't happen. And I, I'm really impressed by that. Yeah, and it's something where I think we are the highest people on Yuki Yoshioka at times. But I, th I think people just completely missed the boat on him. I, I, I'm often dumbfounded by the criticisms he gets. I kind of like, I think that, and I've ta actually talked with John Carroll about this. I think that there is a kind of... Uh, a, a kind of wrestler and a kind of personality that gets over massively natively that just does not translate. And I think that's part of Yoshioka's deal, but it is something where like, yeah, he could have fallen off a cliff, but I think we will look back and see from at least uh, December of 2022, like basically like through like this year, I mean, December, 2021, look at this 20 month, 24 month period we've had Yuki Yoshioka case. Do you think you're you're you've crossed a century of Yuki Yoshioka four star matches? Because I feel like that we might begin that point. Uh I I wouldn't say I'm there now, but I think by this time next year I will be. Yeah, and it's it's just something where I think he is the most consistent big match worker in the company. You've brought up his house show work, and then that's not including him as a tag team wrestler, both with uh, with Kakuda and with Daya. We saw both of that over the year, and we still haven't even really gotten to see what is it with him and Ryoya Tanaka. I'm fascinated by how Tanaka is still going to kind of figure his way into D-Courage now as a Atomico, and I feel like a lot of it could be with Yoshioka. Top 10 wrestler in the world this year, whereas his partner, uh, Dragon Daya, I, I felt the opposite about Daya this year. I thought 2022 was a breakout year for Dragon Daya. He was one of the stars of this promotion. D-Courage was the focal point. They were the main characters. And Kakuta passed him, and Yoshioka really passed him. And I think by the end of the year, there's more buzz about Tanaka than there is Daya. Daya was in a few big matches this year. Uh, whether it was his his Dragon Kid team at Rey de Parejas, or some of the Twin Gate matches he was in, or the Brave Gate challenge he had, that were good, but disappointing because i think we all expect a little bit more out of dia than what we got this year yeah and it's something where like there were times that he felt like that in the greater scheme of things he was lost like not that he was bad just that he felt lost like the fact that dragon dia did not get booked on the all-star junior festival 
feels like a, a slight and feels like that was a real missed opportunity. But we also have to look at this case. This was the most active year in Dragon Dia's career. He was, he-, he was healthy the entire year. Yeah, uh, this uh, is, yeah. That this, by and large, was his most healthy year by like by acclamation. And you look at since he lost his match, he has wrestled 302 matches, whereas he wrestled only 200 matches without the mask across four years. That's a great stat. I would have never thought that. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild to think about because you go through his career. He's in 2018. He shows up towards the tail end. He only has 13 matches. 2019. He gets influenza and is hurt. He only does 43 matches. 2020, he is uh, hurt also and is under 100 and also COVID. He is out the first four months of 2021. And then he's off to the races wrestling 300 matches. Is he? He's out the first four months of 2021? He is out the first. He does not show back up until dead or alive. So what? Oh, do you have his cage match pulled up? Because I don't. Yes, I do. So he worked what? The Hokkaido triple shot at the end of December 2020. Oh, oh he worked a full stre- he worked a full schedule. What's his last show? I guess the show he would have got hurt on. Yeah, it was the Kobe farewell show. I remember it now looking at it like they cuz it was like the oh, first like oh, masquerade right. versus Team Dragon Gate and that was the match after Stream Dragon Gate said like, "Well, we're done now." And then uh, Natural Vibes came back together. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I completely forgot he was gone for... I just think of Masquerade that they all kind of moved in one pack together, but no, you're right, he was hurt. Okay, interesting. Uh, so Dragon Dice stocked down for both of us. Ryoya Tanaka debuted this year, so we'll come back to him next year. Rounding out this podcast, M3K, uh, Masaki Mochizuki, the father-son tag team and Ray Day Parejas, one of the highlights of the year for me. Uh, great match with Kakuta and King of Gate. And towards the end of the year, you know, 2022 a big talking point was when junior's not around m3k is three old guys that look old feel old and uh i'm sick of seeing them together in this unit playing you know guys in their 20s essentially i kind of felt like the old guys found their groove this year mochi being one of them and now they can exist without junior and it's okay so a big stock up for him yes big stock up and then also looking in at uh January. I mean, it's hard. I, I, I mean, like that's going to be the thing we, we're going to need to remind ourselves in that next December case is at this point this year, he's look when we talk about his 2023 stock up, stock down, he is looking ahead at a match in two weeks against uh, Shingo Takagi for his 30th anniversary. Very much so. Mochizuki Jr., I have nothing but good things to say about him. His health continues to be an issue, but I I find him to be one of the more captivating wrestlers in the world, a top 30 guy for me this year, and stock up because he continues to grow. As long as Mochizuki Jr. is actively wrestling, I'm going to have stock on this guy. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Susumi Yokosuka, after the Dreamgate Challenge he had in May last year, did nothing. Uh, 2022... Uh, especially the back half, just just a non-essential part of Susumu's career. 2023, he comes back, uh, Ray De Parejas, Twin Gate Belts, and fun up until the very end, it's a huge stock up for Susumu uh, Mochizuki, not Yokosuka, but Susumu Mochizuki. Yep, stock up. And Yasushi Kanda, last guy on the roster, a career year for him. I can't say enough good things about him. I'm fighting hard to get him on the SFM 50 list as number 50, 
my God, what a great year. A stock up uh, comparing 2023 to 2022 and 1998 through 2022. Just what a stock up year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And hey, if you are interested in celebrating his historical year, they right now have his gear from 2023 up on auction. Oh, wonderful. I, I, yeah, I would I, love to know the freak that buys that. I, yeah, I mean, you have to be like true to like death of Yuzushi Kanda if you uh buy his if you buy his gear right like you like that's a certain level of sicko that i fully appreciate and i love but like you're you're sick you're incredibly sick so as we round this out here i know we're going long but the, the point of this exercise is you know 2022 was a crazy year in drangate behind the scenes 2023 was just a snake bit year from hell where a lot of things did not roll their way but it was still a very solid year for the promotion. You, you look at the big names that we talked about. I think all of them, with the exception of maybe Kakuta and Kai, because I do consider Kai to be a big name. All of them are in a better spot than they were at this time last year. They grew and they got, I think, more over and a little more depth behind them. And they all had great matches. Ata, Kai, and maybe Kakuta are sort of the three asterisks there. So I think you have to look at this year, flaws, warts, and all, as a relative success for Dragon Gate. Yeah, and this is a year that I feel like, really, this is a foundational year. This is, they presented basically their case, so like, here are the guys, and now let's make those guys. Some of the guys were already ready to be guys. I mean, Shun Skywalker did not need to be named a Rewa new generation leader he just is one but for folks like strong machine j this kind of gave them like the push into the direction and at the very least i think we could walk away from this year like knowing that like within the company we have more made men now than we did last year and i yep. think that has to be a positive absolutely i think that's very well said and uh, unless you have anything else, Case, I think that's going to do it for this longer edition of Open the Voice Gate. We hope everyone had a great holidays and all of that. If you've not checked out our appearance on the five-star match game with Joe Gagne and Alan Forel talking about the year of 2023, uh, be sure to go check that out. And while you're thinking about it, send a, uh, a, a Terry Funk match to Alan Forel. But Next week, Case, it's a very special week of the program. It's award season, and we will be back talking about the Ultis, and I can't wait to do it. I'm looking forward to it. Yep, and if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter, X, at Open Voice Gate. If you want to discuss the show, go ahead to the Voices of Wrestling Discord. There's an Open the Voice Gate channel there we hang out in, and there's a Dragon Gate channel as well. Case is underscoring your case. I'm Fuji. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests 
fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.